Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so in a series of conversations with comics creators about their lives, their work, and comics. So sit back and enjoy. Hey gang, welcome to a new episode of Blockhead. Glad you could join us today. Today we have a very special guest, Howie Knoll, who is brand new to me, unknown to me before uh, I ran across him on Instagram. I mentioned his work last time. He's got a great Instagram feed. It's called Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery. That's Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery, one word. So I'm not going to spell the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but but you figure it out, right? And, and so look for it. It's really terrific. If you love comic strips, if you love Dick Tracy, if you love retro, you're going to love this stuff by Howie Noel. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Howie. I know I said Howie Noel through the uh, episode, um, but I think it's how we know. So anyway, forgive me one way or the other. Uh, so Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery is just so much fun, and it's beautiful. If you love all of the stuff I just mentioned, and you are into this whole retro thing when it comes to uh, digital artwork, digital artwork that looks like it's been found in a flea market, you know, comic books found in a flea market or somewhere like that. As you can tell, that's something I'm really big into. And and Howie, along with Jay Stevens from last week, with the, the, the look of their work and the, the, the quality of their work, really inspired me just recently to go out and, uh, for my birthday, at my wife's encouragement, to buy a bunch of brand new Procreate brushes. And uh, from one of, you know, those companies that you see advertising on Instagram, this one's uh, Retro Supply Incorporated. And I picked up a whole package of their tools, which I haven't started to try yet, but I'm psyched to, to try to use because they've got, you know, paper textures and pen textures and, and this quality of, you know, halftone and, and all of that stuff that makes, that brings that, that feeling of mid 20th century, that stuff that I, I just love and miss a great deal, um, which we took for granted, I think, back in the day. Well, you know, they've got all these tools that you you can bring that to bear in your work, sort of fight against that sleekness that digital artwork can have, that impersonality, if you will, um, and, and push against it with the tactile, you know, uh, and the, the the feeling of print, which is a it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, right? <laughs> that that we've come to appreciate some of those qualities. You know, if they could get the smell of old comic books into some of this stuff, that would be even even better, you know, the smell of rotting newsprint <laughs> um, into this stuff. That would be so cool. But anyway, so with my, you know, my wife saying, hey, you know, it's your birthday. Go out and let's get something, you know, something new for your brand new iPad. Uh, because my other iPad, yes, uh, one day, a couple weeks ago, just died. And I didn't mention it to you because it was too traumatic. And, uh, and, and, you know, for all of us, I think the thought of a dead iPad is just a trauma. Too great to bear. Anyway, my iPad died, and I thought it took all, all of my work with it. You know, all 30 pages of, of the latest issue of Green Screen. You know, I'm working on this new issue of Green Screen. I'm into, like, I'm almost, you know, almost done with it. It's going to be a 36-page issue. 
and I'm really proud of this stuff. It's looking great. And what happens? The iPad dies. And I backed up stuff. I backed up stuff to a laptop and, and to an external hard drive. But, you know, the last week or so, I hadn't done anything. I, and it's like, you know, that week I must have done five pages or so. So, you know, I'm like freaking out. Plus, all of my stuff on my recording app, Ferrite, my, my recording app, for the podcast, all of the music and all that stuff, it's, it's you know, I have nev- I've never backed that up to a hard drive or anything. So is it going to come back? I don't know. Well, I went through the process of, of mourning the iPad and, uh, you know, we had a service. And then my wife says to me, look, you know, you got, we got to bite the bullet and you, you got to have your tools, you know, and it's a big expense, I know. And I'm not prepared for it, but okay, let's do it. And uh, I wouldn't have if she hadn't pushed me, but I wouldn't have gotten the first one if she hadn't pushed me. But anyway, so we did. We went out, bought a new iPad, and uh, I brought it home, charged it up, and holding my breath, you know, lo and behold, the the stars were aligned, heaven was smiling down upon us. Everything was there, backed up to iCloud. Everything came back onto the new iPad, except for the last, like, three days' work, you know, because it only... Uh, backs up every couple of days. So, thank goodness. I, I, I'm so thankful <laughs> to the iPad gods, wherever they are, and uh, iCloud gods that the work was there, and uh, I'm, I'm making sure to back up on a regular basis on my own as well. That's just just the word to the wise, right? Um, anyway, what does that mean, all mean? Well, okay, it all means that um, I had a new iPad, I could get new tools, it was my birthday, and I was inspired, my wife said, let's do it, uh, Howie and Jay, with their, you know, wonderful work, uh, both Dwellings, that Jay's been working on, and Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery, uh, boy, plus some other stuff on Instagram, all inspired me to, to go out and buy these new brushes, which, who I'm hoping the next, maybe the fourth issue of Green Screen, we'll start to see, but I'll start playing with well before that. So, cautionary tale, I guess. Sometimes a door closes and another one opens, right? And um, uh, we'll see. So, now that I've unburdened myself by sharing my latest trauma with you, I feel so so much lighter. Uh, I hope you do too, right? If you've gone through similar things. uh, I hope that this podcast has helped you through it. That's what I'm hoping. So, And now that we all feel better, we can sit back and listen to a conversation about comics with myself and Howie Noel in conversation. Hey, Howie Noel, welcome to Blockhead. Uh, thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's exciting to have you here. And I'll, I'm just going to be frank with you. I am one of those people who has unfortunately not heard of you before, hadn't come across, uh, come across your work before until Instagram. And then one day, for whatever reason... I don't know whether my iPad listens to me talking about comic strips or Joe Staten or Dick Tracy or whatever. Your stuff just showed up on my feed. And I got to tell you, I like flipped. I just fell in love with your stuff the moment I saw it. It was incredible. And I just went down that Instagram feed and I was just like every single thing I saw was better than the last thing. It was just great. It was incredible. You have brightened up my life, Howie. Oh wow, wow, wow! Thank you, Jeff. I, that that really means the the world to me. Uh, my main goal with my art is for others to see it and like it, and hopefully make their day a little better just with some cool art and and then with stories I tell. And that's really a really a wonderful compliment. Thank you. 
Well, it, uh, you know, it just, uh, it hits all of my sweet spots. I got to tell you that the Dick Tracy folks, if you haven't checked out, um, how he's, uh, Instagram feed. Um, he's got, you got two of them, but the one yeah. that I found first of all was, um, was Dick Tracy's or Dick Tracy rogues gallery. I think it's just Dick Tracy rogues gallery, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. For the actual, for the actual, uh, title that you type in is just Dick Tracy rogues gallery and all one word, and then you'll find me. And, uh, basically what I try to do is, um, several days of the week I'll post, uh, exactly what the description says it's dick tracy and his uh, villains his rosters and also do scenes and uh anything to do with the 1930s and 40s as far as art and have a little retro vibe that's what i like to do with this project and uh, really enjoying it it's a way for me to stay active creatively in between you know illustration commissions and work and logo designs and stuff, and I, I just, I'm just really glad that there's also people out there like yourself that in, enjoy what I'm doing with it. Well, I, you know, as I said, it hits all my sweet spots, and and then lo and behold, I did started, you know, saying, well, who is this guy? I've never heard of him before, and then, and I'm I'm sorry for that because once I started looking into who you were, well, of course, you've got a great career. Uh, behind you a whole pile of accomplishments uh, among them a number of graphic novels and and comics and caricatures and illustrations and and so you you know uh my my shame for not having heard of you before but uh it's incredible so i hope we you know we have a chance to talk about about all of it um but the first thing you know was the dick tracy thing and um and it's funny that i came across it as i said i just finished an interview with joe staten uh, and that was inspired by you know his involvement with dick tracy of course joe staten goes back a long way and uh you know so do i (laughs) and and uh so i'm familiar with his work from way back when and so that was just a great opportunity to talk about a lot of stuff but dick tracy is is a comic strip i dearly love and for a lot of reasons chester gould's just just amazing but so you know in your case it it, as you were revealing on your instagram feed the other day there's really a a personal reason that you got involved in this project which is as you said an instagram feed that's really about dick tracy the the villains of dick tracy the the art of chester gould and your own adaptation and interpretation of it and uh, and more. There's a lot there. There's, you know, Warren Beatty and, and the 90s movie and all of that stuff. But so but what got you going on it was something very personal. Right. Yeah. I discovered Dick Tracy uh, via my father. Uh, he would always he'd buy the news. He'd buy the newspaper every day. And on Sundays, he'd buy several newspapers. So he'd get the Philadelphia Inquirer and the local paper and he'd get a couple on Sunday. And I love always loved comic strips. And I actually discovered Dick Tracy via the comic strip in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And that was before the movie came out in 1990. So late 80s, probably when I discovered it. And uh, I fell in love with it. And I also made a uh, a connection between Dick Tracy and that world and my father. Because my father uh, was a sales representative. And he we lived in Pennsylvania, but he would commute uh, mm-hmm. during the week. He'd traveled to New York City uh, where he was a sales rep and he had a trench coat and a fedora just (laughs) like Tracy. And he always wore a suit. 
Yeah, he always wore a suit. So that stylish thing, I was always like, I always made a connection. And an interesting thing is, through this project, because it's all dedicated to him, and uh, I learned that other other Dick Tracy fans also have that connection via their father discovering the strip with, with their dads. We're reading it. I hear that. And it's such an interesting thing. And it gave a whole new perspective on this art project. And really what I wanted to do is it's all a tribute to that that bond with my dad, how it relates to us, because he he uh, he was he was sick uh, for all of last year and he just passed away at the end of October. And uh, it just the one way to get through it and carry on is by doing this. And I'm really grateful that he got to see this project when it began and midway through. And my sister made sure that before he passed, he also got to see him one more time, you know, everything. It was really important to me. And uh, one of the things he liked best (laughs) was the picture of me and with the Dick Tracy hat with the, with the watch and it was just it was a really special a really special connection that doing this project and doing it really does it's it's a form of art therapy where it keeps me going keeps me motivated i feel like i would always show him my art so when mm-hmm. i finished something i would always show it to him and he was so supportive and positive he was like my number one fan mm-hmm. and when i'm drawing it it's like he's over my shoulder uh and he can see it you know it's just it's really a really a cool thing and that's you know why i keep doing it and it's it's great to be able to share it with people on instagram and uh get feedback and meet fellow dick tracy fans like yourself well you know uh it, it's interesting um well it sounds like first of all it sounds like your dad was a great dad uh you know yeah, it's really lucky yeah and a best friend too it's weird we had a really 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 good uh, relationship and connection and I'd call him every day and yeah it, it's really tough and somebody told me that uh, that like grief is the price f- for love so yeah that's how much you 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 loved and were loved and you know that's it all it's all part of it it's it's something totally new to me I've, I've lost people but nothing like this and right. it's just uh so I've been pretty open with that yeah talking about it you know on my posts because if you just see it i try to be very strict about it's dick tracy you know like you get yeah. what you, you get what not what you paid for but you get what you see you know and I, that uh, people want people want other things and eventually i'll probably branch off and shit just as long as it keeps that 30s and 40s vibe and it has mm-hmm. that flavor because people are making requests for the shadow and stuff they want to see oh. things so i may may venture off there, you know, you know, and do like a little trip. They want to see a lot of people want to see mashups. We have a lot of mashups now with Dick Tracy. So I don't know what more I could do, you know, because I uh-huh. really like him. I really like yeah. his solo world. So I don't know. But people can always request uh, commissions and stuff, too. So that's mm-hmm. always the thing out there. If you want to see that something like that, a special portrait just for yourself. But uh, I really uh I'm really, yeah, it's the, basically the project is, and my hope is a dream would be, would be a book one day, a collection yeah. of all these, or uh-huh. I really wanted an actual gallery show. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and so in our current you, world, we can't do that right now. But in the future, I would love, you know, see these on a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be amazing to see an actual rogues gallery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, I, I can see that. I think it would be fantastic. Can you imagine? I mean, among other things, you, you sometimes post a grid view of all of these rogues, these villains together um, on the feed. I can imagine a wall you know, like, um, installation of a variety of, of these guys brought together in that kind of jigsaw or, you know, oh, grid yeah. view kind of thing would be kind of cool, but also just filling the space. Um, I think it would be really, I, that could be a really exciting approach to a comic art show, you know, uh, it'd be, I think it'd be great. Um, especially since your work is so like, even though it's, it's got this like degraded retro feel to it, you know, you feel the pulp of the paper and all mm-hmm. the color and everything is so vibrant. And I think that's one of the things that I really respond to cause I'm a color guy and, uh, the way you use color in Dick Tracy is just so sweet, you know, it's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. I, I really get into that, you know, I had Jay Stevens on the show last uh, a week or so ago, and I don't know if you're following Jay Stevens stuff, but he's got a new book out called Dwellings, and it's all about uh, adapting the style of Harvey comics to horror, uh, the horror genre. Yeah, I've seen that. It's great stuff, and it really does have that uh, feel of those classic comics. It sure does. And we got to talking about color. And this whole idea of um, simplifying editing, there was a, you know, this approach in that period of time, the mid 50s, um, 40s, 50s, where, you know, the kind of simplifications in, and um, modernist approach to art that was happening in the 20th century, you know, whether through the work of Malevich or, or Mondrian or all of those people were, were, you know, finding the essence of art making, right? And, and it was adapted into illustration and into animation and in and, and some degree to comics too. And there's an intellectual process it's felt but there's also an intellectual process to it that i really appreciate you know this this design sense that's built into it and it's in steven's work and it's absolutely in what you're doing here too and um and i really get into that because it, i don't know it just it excites me and, and not just because it's retro but because it's so the process is evident but also the intelligence is evident you know as well mm-hmm. there's this this you know quality of thoughtfulness in the reduction one takes you know in that approach to art making to visual image making because you know what you're doing here is very different from some of the things you've done elsewhere uh which is you know where you're like in terra normal there's a lot of detail and all kinds of stuff this is a different project this is you know you're clearly making an aesthetic choice here yeah uh, what i try to do with each illustration project or each graphic novel that I do is do different, still my art, but a different art style for each. Yeah. That's something I learned at uh, Pratt Institute that you you can not so much change, but for each story, the art should match it, in my opinion. So my first book, Mr. Scoodles, mm-hmm. uh, very, it has a, a Disney-esque quality. Um, with some creepiness, Mr. Scoodles looks like a 19, he's a 1930s cartoon character. So like Oswald, the rabbit. Um, and he's of that style. And then the people were also very cartoony and big eyes. And I think when people first, they just assume that's all you draw like, 
Yeah. And then and then you see Terra Normal, it's different. It's still Very my different. style, but it's different. And that for Terra Normal, I wanted a almost uh, Mad Magazine, um, Mort Drucker, Angelo Torres uh, you know, inspired art with caricature. And uh, I really wanted to play upon that and have cinematic uh, coloring because you don't mm-hmm. you don't see too much of that where you actually have effects like you'd see in a movie or a TV show, but it's in the comic and it's very, you know, you get dark lighting. So it's very different. And then for my f- anxiety memoir float, it's completely different. You have a mashup yeah. of art styles with more serious, not serious, but pencil uh, lifelike and then mixed in with a quote unquote cartoon world, which is in in the side of the mind where you're living a fantasy on an island and everything's okay. And then the reality is this, these rough pencil drawings that are colored realistically. So I, that float really shows a, a broad spectrum of my styles. And then with this, this is all new, but it's still how I draw. And a lot of people have commented how it just seems right. And yeah. it would make sense because I grew up redrawing the strips when I was a kid. So uh. you know, Dick, Dick Loker's art, that's, huge influence on me I'm, uh, and and Chester Gould a main reason I have the thick line work that I'm okay. so into I was I was obsessed with his with his art as a kid and he has very strong lines and um I always give credit to Dick Loker because he's just a big influence on me I love his work I I, I recently I used to cut out the strips and keep mm-hmm. them for reference and I just loved them and then I would redraw them and I would show my dad, so I'd redraw them, but I'd put kind of like, not Dick Tracy, but also my dad, and then people he worked with in the strips, and it was kind of fun, like, mashup, and I, we lost those drawings because they were, that when the house, we had our childhood house, uh, like, my childhood house was sold, and you know how they do an auction sometimes when you're, like, to get rid of furniture, you can't oh, yeah. bring it with you? Well, they stuffed my childhood drawings in one of the auctions. Oh, they weren't man. supposed to, and they sold some stuff of ours that they weren't supposed to auction off. Oh, man. Yeah, lo and behold, like, before the pandemic, a guy messaged me from my hometown and said that he had them. It was really weird, because I was getting a bunch of messages about this. Apparently, he went on a comic art, you know, group on Facebook, oh. and people were, like, looking out for me, like, he has your stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But he wanted to give them to me. He wanted to give them back, and I oh, finally I got him back. We were going to try to meet up in person, but it's very hard, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure, sure, no. I, fi- I finally got them, and it was actually in a uh, a portfolio. And I, it's it's so it's so moving to have them again, and uh, I want to scan them and then put them. And I, that's also part of the art project. I have yeah. the childhood drawings, so I want to scan them and make them part of it. So if we do ever get a book from Tribune or whatever. Uh, that would be part of it. And you can see it's crazy. What you can see is still there. So from oh. when I drew Dick Tracy, there's similar things that are still there. And I, sometimes I'll put side by side and on my Instagram stories of them where you can really see it's crazy how much things change, but they stay the same inherently how I view the character yeah, oh. and how I want them to look. Uh huh. You know, it, uh, what a great, I mean that that's terrific. Did that? Did you get them back after your dad had passed or prior to? I did. I got them back prior to, and I found out 
they were there while he was alive. So I was able to tell him and I have some I saved a lot of voicemails from him. And one of the voicemails was from one of his uh, guys he used to work with who I put in the comic. My dad made a specific point in the voicemail. Hey, you put you put uh, you put him in the comic, if I remember, you know, and it's just <laughs> it's really, really like, you know, uh, it just comes full circle. And it's it's just it's really fulfilling that I have it again. And I have that comic where I put him in it. You know, there's, there's another drawing I did of my dad where he's got a whole cast of people. Cause I would just hear their names and imagine what they look like. I, mm-hmm. when I was little, I didn't know. So he had a friend called Fox, Ray Fox. And I thought he was like a real Fox. Uh, <laughs> so I drew him as a Fox. So it's stuff like that, that in the future, I, I've done tributes. My dad appears in every book I've done. He's a form of him and, is in Terra Normal. Uh, he's appears in Mr. Scoodles and, you know, he, so I always, uh, I did a salesman comic of him, but it looked different, you know, it didn't look just like him, but in the future, I want to do another one where it's him. Mm-hmm. And this Dick Tracy project is a way to get me there. And it's just, it's in the future. I want to do that. It, and it was cool to draw him. Uh, if you go through the gallery on Instagram, mm-hmm. you can see him where I drew him after he passed as, you know, how I saw him as this the salesman character that he totally fits in that world, you know, he fits in the Dick Tracy world that I draw. Well, it's it's interesting um, because Dick Tracy was well. Let's see, you know, I, I'm guessing you're you're talking about you were growing up. Uh, Max Collins was drawing what in the 70s, 80s, right? Um, yeah, Max so, Allen Collins. Yeah, he was he he wrote and Dick. Dick Loker, uh, Drew, so he, so yeah, that's the era I grew up with. So I was probably, cause I was 12 when the movie came out in 1990. So, oh, okay. you know, I was probably 10 or nine when right. I discovered it in the newspaper. Right. Cause before that it was all Garfield and Bloom County. <laughs> I was obsessed with Bloom County and still am. But so, and then I saw Dick Tracy and I was like, this is complete. Even back then it was completely different than mm-hmm. the other strips and it held up. And I really liked it. And I love that, that they suit the suits they wear. That's what I like. I don't like, I don't want, I don't personally, just for me, I like that era. That's why that I like that 1990 movie. Cause my dad was born in the thirties and I like, I just always connected to that era, the clothing, the suits, mm-hmm. the cars. I really love those cars more than any other kind of vehicle. Cause I'm not a big car person, but I like those kind of cars. You yeah, know? You I don't know. There's something like man, man out of time kind of thing I have. Well, are you? Well, this is kind of an offbeat question, but do you know the work of Seth? You know Seth's work, Canadian uh, cartoonist. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, Lucaville, He he did a uh, his latest graphic novel is called Clyde Fans. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. I know Seth. Yeah. You know, okay. Well, he's he's another one of those guys. Uh, he wears uh, fedora all the time, all right. and his clothing is uh, really authentic '30s '40s stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, uh, he's he's deeply into that too. I love that stuff also. I I um I for one reason or another, I'm always watching either movie serials or old movies from the 30s and 40s, usually detective things or my favorite um my favorite version of Superman is is George Reeves' Superman in the 50s and uh, I have all those DVDs and watch them endlessly to my wife's constant um, you know, uh despair, but um Nevertheless, anyway, uh, so that period is kind of fascinating. There's a lot of interesting looks 
that went along with it and uh, styles that went along with it. And people wore, you know, guys wore suits everywhere all the time, you know, and um, maybe you had one suit, but you wore it every day. <laughs> right. And, and the cars were really kind of bulky, you know, it was, it was kind of an interesting look to them, rounder looking cars, you know, which um, if you're interested in those kinds of forms, but um, anyway, you know, it's interesting that you bring up a couple things that, that hit me along in the conversation here. And one is, you know, uh, my dad did the same thing when I was a kid. Um, you know, we would on Sunday, the thing we were brought up Catholic. So on Sunday we went to church and um, on the way home, we stopped and pick up picked up the newspapers because that was my dad's thing right and so he bought a number of newspapers just like your dad that's so funny isn't it (laughs) yep yep. and that's how i started reading comics in the paper and in in those days daily news was one of our papers on sunday yeah comics were wrapped around the the insides of the you know and dick tracy was right on the front cover uh along with dandy on the other side and uh, I got into, I love both of those strips, you know, endlessly. Um, and Gould was still doing it when I was a kid uh, and reading it um, on those trips. He didn't retire till like 77. So right before I, I was born. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're right. You know, I was, I was in my teen years by then. But, um, you know, for me, I, I was into uh, that strip in the Sunday paper was huge i loved all those strips though and um and that really that was a connection between me and my dad too he wasn't into art so much but comics on the sunday pages was something that you know he encouraged my interest in and he encouraged my interest in in comic books because we also same place we got the sunday papers we picked up comic books too so uh, which was kind of a cool Sunday thing. It made going to church a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would get, he would take me to that, the newsstand and I'd get wrestling magazines oh, all okay. the time, all the time. I'd get rest pro wrestling because that was you know, when like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man were big. Then I was really into it. I'd always get the wrestling magazine. And I, it's, it's like sad, man. You go back in this, that store's not the same. They don't really have magazines. I actually went back to my hometown and it's kind of like, Seeing how that store is now is kind of like Back to the Future too, uh, <laughs> you know, when he sees what the town became. Yeah, yeah, Man, I know. I might need a DeLorean or something to bring back this magazine stand. I mean, it's just. They have a lot of gambling machines, I think, in there. Oh, man. That's, yeah. yeah. You know, things have changed in my hometown, too. I don't live far from my hometown. I kind of moved back after a number of years away, although I'm far enough away. But um, the place where I used to, as a kid, I used to skip out of um, junior high school during lunch and run uptown to buy comics from this drugstore. And the drugstore had been there since the 40s or whatever. And, um, Mm -hmm. You know, that memory of doing that, I was by myself, always by myself, because in those days, buying comics was something you'd get, you know, ridiculed for uh, back in the early 70s. And uh, so I'd I'd run up there and pick up these books every Tuesday and Thursday. New comics came in. So I was there religiously. And the lady who ran the place knew me. And if she hadn't put the comics out by the time I got there, I got to look through the box that they came in. Oh, that's awesome. She was great. And, uh, but now, you know, but it's all gone now. And and that memory is something that's really, I really treasure, you know, um, because I, I, I've thought about it. Why is that thing stick in my head so much? And part of it has to do with, for me anyway, when 
I used to run to that drugstore, I was by myself and those were, I was like 12 and 13. It was like the first things I did on my own without my parents driving me someplace or, you know, I was with my parents and I, I, then I found a comic book. This was something I did on my own. I had my own money from lunch money. Instead of buying lunch, I would buy a comic book. And, uh, so it, it, it's kind of an important pat, rite of passage, I suppose. And uh, it's, it, it, I miss those days. I miss, I miss that experience um, a lot. And, uh, and I kind of get it, you know, in a way from what you're doing. You know, it, it sort of harkens back to it. And every time I see your work, it's both new and old all at the same time. Oh, that's and awesome. That's, that's part of what I really get into it. The other thing I wanted to tell you was um, I'm talk, you're talking to another Pratt alumni. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's real. Really? That's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. I went to, but I went for grad school. So I studied uh, painting and art history there. So it was a whole different vibe. Um, were you an undergrad there? Was that what you were doing? Or yeah, illustration? Grad, I graduated with, uh, I majored in illustration. And what years? I uh, graduated 2000. So 96, oh, okay. 2000. Yeah. Okay. That's when on Murder Avenue. Yep. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it's like now, but back then it was, uh, <laughs> it was hairy. Yeah. It was um, really a learning I, situation, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Did you, you lived in Brooklyn? I, I did not. I commuted. I lived with my dad and we lived in Queens. So every oh, day I commuted that two hours both ways. Oh man. For school. Crazy. So I really wanted it. And there were kids that lived on campus that couldn't be bothered to wake up. Yeah, I you know. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, later I met my wife there, so I, I would later I would get to stay at her apartment or crash, or friends would let me crash on certain days, you know. But we'd we'd head back home the first couple of years. We'd I'd head back home with him on the weekend. Oh man, yeah, it's. I remember it, being, you had to make phone. I had to I had to bring a bunch of quarters with me to make phone calls, and I had a beeper back in the day so friends on campus could reach me. Oh yeah, <laughs> for cell phones. Sounds like yeah. the, the middle ages, you know. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, I I loved the campus. I mean, I was there from um, ninety three to uh, I well ninety five, December ninety five. Oh, we just we just missed each other. We just missed each other, yeah. And uh, I I got uh, uh, my my graduate degrees in painting and in art history, so it was a very different trajectory for me to come back to comics. But I loved. I have to tell you. Those were some of the the best years, I, in a lot of ways, some of the best years of my life, in a, in a way. I mean, my wife and I had just moved to Brooklyn. We, it was a whole new life for us. And uh, and it was really, although it was a struggle, financially it was a struggle. Yeah. Uh, it, was, um, it was just incredible. And I loved, Bro- I still I love Brooklyn. And I loved Pratt and the camp campus at Pratt. Everything was falling apart, but you didn't. Is it? It, yeah. it was everything was falling apart. It was before they, you know, refurbished a lot of. Oh, yeah. my money went straight into the refurbishing. Yeah. I could see my <laughs> dollars getting spent that I <laughs> will forever uh, yeah. pay to yeah. them. I, they put in new grass when new students get to be, you know, get to see it. I'm like, why don't we get new grass normally? <laughs> why don't we get new buildings, man? The, the the studio I had for I had to build the walls in the first studio I had there, which was in the worst building they had. I can't remember what it was, but when you were, a, you know, first year grad student, they threw you in the worst building. Yeah. So I had all this stuff that I was bringing with me, my paints and stuff. I didn't want to haul it back and forth to the apartment every day. So I, I had to do all, that from Queens for a painting class that nearly killed me. Yeah, right. You got to carry. I was bringing a giant canvas on the subway. Can you imagine? And it was. I was like, never again will I do oil. Yeah, <laughs> not on the subway. 
you can't bring that back and forth. I'm like, I got to switch here to acrylic. I'm sorry. I can't yeah. do oils and bring them on the train. You can't do that, man. No. Now, I, my first book, uh, Mr. Scoodles, takes place at a Pratt-like school. So oh, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. You know, like I said, I wasn't familiar. I've been going through your website, though, and really dig what you're you're doing. And it's great to have that nice – the website's great. And it's oh, nice. thank you. My wife designed that. Yeah, we when the pandemic started, I wanted to put – I've got nearly every comic on there except for Float because it's a personal one, and I don't just want the JPEGs up there. <laughs> but okay. you can read uh, Mr. Scoodles and Terranormal all on my website. Oh, wow. Is, you can read the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize you want to buy a copy. You can. So, oh, that's even cooler. Um, So, folks, you should go to hcnoel.com if you're listening to this because you won't be disappointed. It's a great website and there's a lot of great stuff there. And I'll tell you, man, um, I like the design well enough. I'm going to rip it off for my own website. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can send you the theme that I use. Oh, man. That that you picked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be so helpful. Yeah. Because I'm terrible at that. I, I, you know, and I keep putting it off because I'm so bad at it. And uh, I, I had to get used to how websites are look now. I'm yeah. used to how they used to look. And I got, she helps, my wife helps me stay focused on what the website needs to look like now to match nowadays designs. And also, you know, because I used to have 30 different sites too. I'd have one for Terra Normal and stuff. And we just uh-huh. finally condensed because it gets ridiculous mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous to i had a new website for float and then you're <laughs> like directing people away why not just have it now everything's on hcnull.com yeah so man. that's it's it just it was crazy it's like anything <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, i need streamlined every now and then yeah and well and it's true and and but that's what happens over time right you you i mean all of a sudden i have like four insta three instagram accounts and and i really you know only should have one uh but okay whatever it and these things keep multiplying and before you know it it's it may it's a big mess and so yeah bringing it all together it's great but you know your wife is a graphic designer then i'm getting she's a creative director uh and she also does design so Uh Uh, she she helps me put together the books. So okay. if I do everything with the books, she'll help me put together and she'll do all the web stuff and helps right. handle business and everything. That's so because my mind doesn't think like that. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> I just don't have that. And she she actually we put together a proposal for the rogues gallery to send a tribune and, uh, you know, and. It's really, really cool. I want to put that on the website eventually, too, so people can see the proposal for what a gallery show would look like. It's really, oh. really cool, the stuff she put together. You can she, – she showed it, like, on the walls, you know, what it would look like, the space, as yeah. an early idea. It's, it's really beautiful, and I hope one day that can happen. I'm hoping – I would love – because the Library of American Comics – I mean, if there was some type of – a coffee table book or something or something that fit. I would love it to be the size of the books that they made. Too. Well, you know, I, I so it would fit I, with it as an art project. Talking to you about it, it makes me think, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what the Tribune's interest in this would be. And, and it would be great if, well, first of all, I'll ask you in a minute whether you've heard from them, but um, I was just thinking it would be really cool to tie in the story of you and your dad yeah. as well into this story and into an exhibition or coffee table book because I do think it connects like you know you connect it to my story you know yeah and yeah, there's and a there lot are a lot it's crazy it, I didn't it, there, 
Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of us. And I, and I do think, you know, golly, I, I, I think that there's, it would resonate with a lot of people who knows if they're, you know, imaginative or farsighted enough, uh, it took them forever to hire Joe Staten to do, you know, Dick Tracy and, um, and, you know, I'm so glad that they did, but it, it took a long time to get to that place. Um, you can, for, for some reason, you know, I, I'd say, um, most syndicates tend to work rather slowly and, um, I, what was it Michael Jancy said to me once is, you know, those kinds of organizations, they're just not built for speed. And, uh, and so whatever it is, modernizing, whether it's King features or whatnot, it takes them a long time. And, uh, well, my project is, is poised to, I wanted to celebrate the 90th anniversary mm-hmm. which is this year mm-hmm. and I'm going to do something big in October for it. But this project was to, you know, shown to them as, Hey, it's the 90th anniversary. I don't know if they're doing anything for the 90th anniversary, truth yeah. be told. But I am. You know yeah, what? I am. And this character deserves to be celebrated. And also, uh, a friend of mine, uh, J.C. Vaughn, pointed out, why are you putting pressure on yourself for the 90th anniversary? I was getting really stressed out about this. I need a book by this point. You know? And yeah. that just kills everything when yeah. you stress yourself out about that. And then I'm all freaking out. And He's like, why do that? You're you're on the way to the hundredth. Yeah. Oh man, that feels way better. So we're <laughs> doing Tracy on the way, you know, on the road to one hundred, and I feel much better, and I don't have to get upset about trying to make a ludicrous date of October, which you can't do a book in October. You can't get these guys to out of the blue decide. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Most no, it takes forever. Is let them know what I'm doing. Say I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody there will see it and want to do something around that. Or maybe, you know, who knows? But I'm meeting a lot of great fans doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm meeting fellow Dick Tracy fans. I'm, And, and uh, it's great. It's been a wonderful experience. And I just like doing it. And yeah. I, get, I get asked a lot of times for prints and stuff. So we'll see. I really want an official thing. You know, well, I don't yeah, want. Yeah. I, I, that's what I want, but I'm doing more and more original characters. So we have original rogues, and wow. those I can make prints of because they're mine. So yeah, we've got yeah a lot of people like the original. I got a lot of requests when I began. To, oh, do you make any? Do you you know? And that was such a cool thing. I didn't think anybody would want to see them, and I was like, actually, I do. Like I have a whole storyline which would be part of the book, and I've shown. If you go on the Instagram, you can see yeah. the episode one of my. Yes, sample. I saw that. Yeah, sample comic for fun. And that's my view of how I see Dick Tracy. It's a combination of the movie and the comic. And directly the 30s, mostly the 30s, a little bit of the 40s. But those colors with mixed with the palette from the movie, which was based on the original comic, the Sunday comics. And then my that's that's what's in my head as far as Dick Tracy. And I have a whole storyline and it involves the the brow. So what I do is, you know how the movie kind of remixed things? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know that the normal newspaper comic has a continuity, so I can't keep up with that continuity because I wouldn't get to draw the characters I want to draw, which is the brow. <laughs> right. So we just play with it as if this is like kind of another continuity, like how the movie did, but the brow doesn't die in the first five minutes. Well, you know, it uh, made me so sad. Still does. (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting to like. I did read what the story that you put up on Instagram. I I can't remember if it's 
is it the com- is the complete story there or is it just part it's like of- a teaser you get it's like an intro yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's 10 so they that i think the mo- i don't know if it's the most they allow you is to put up 10 but it's 10 frames including a, like a title and okay. then you swipe and you read it through and it, it would be like a couple dailies okay or a sunday yeah. you know they're all color and you'll get the i i i make them as if they're dailies and then i s- split each frame so you swipe and read it that way and um, I'm working on the next ones, which is either going to debut this week or at the beginning, either this week or the beginning of May. I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm working on the second one, which stars the blank. So you get to see what happened because the blank returns at the end of episode one. Yes. And in this continuity, you don't know what happened to him. It wasn't the flagpole like the original. It wasn't he wasn't impaled because I can't compete with that. And he can't come back from the imp- right. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. Yeah. We're just doing a slightly different kind of like the movie. There's a lot of movie sets, mm-hmm. so you'll notice the the club ritz, the the meeting room where Big Boy is, mm-hmm. and there's uh, I, I like that. I like using see you know sets from the movie that I wish were in the comic, and then stuff from the comic that I wish were in the movie. So one scene uh, where Dick Tracy's driving, it's one of the it's one of the art pieces I did that people like the best. Um, the car is based on a car my dad gave me before he passed, a, a model car that's from his birth year. So that's very cool that I made that Dick Tracy's car. And he's passing, the, he's driving through town, he's coming at us. And one of the buildings is directly from the Chester Gould Strip. It's a hotel. I used the colors mm-hmm. and everything. So it's that same thing. So I like placing like actual buildings that you can see in the comic. They'll be there. I just drew. The newest piece I did was the brow... Go- his car going off the bridge. That's what he did to the summer sisters, except roles are reversed and he's going off that same bridge into the water. And this time somebody pointed out something really cool. (laughs) This blew me away that the ripples in the water Mm look like his forehead, (laughs) Yeah, man. You just gave a whole level of artistic deepness that I wish. (laughs) I wish I could purposely say I did. And I was like, now I can. So everybody on the podcast just uh, believe I did that on purpose. That <laughs> I was like, holy crap. That's it's really all cool. intentional. Yeah, that's why I love comments and I like seeing that stuff. I like uh, I like that I pointed out something. I, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I did that. I but, know. you know, it's all <laughs> part of it, man. It's all part of the, you know, it's in, it's in the subconscious, you know. Yeah. You know, Um so so getting back to the trip, are they aware of what you're doing there? Yeah, yeah, I've spoken to them. I, uh, and uh, yeah, they they said it's really cool what I'm doing and they under, they understand I'm a big fan. And I don't I'm I'm just gonna continue working and I'm hoping in the future there is something that can be done. So I'm well, looking yeah. at the different avenues of how it would go because right now it's like what can they do as far as a live show you know i mean that's really a separate thing that i don't know if they're if anybody's ever proposed it i really don't i really don't know so i gotta look for um galleries and stuff like that but also the book is something that i'm working like i'm hoping happens so right now i'm passion coffee table book or something yeah yeah they used to have um Tribune used to offer a lot of Dick Tracy merch, and they don't do anything except for, like, one baseball hat. 
And I, I've mentioned that I would, I would love something like that. These could be art prints, but we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, th- they could be t-shirts. They could be, like you said, with the, where it's the collage of all of them it could be a great mm-hmm. jigsaw puzzle that would drive you insane. To put together. <laughs> I mean, that's what <laughs> I, I would love all of that. So I hope, I hope down the line, mm-hmm. um, and I just try not to worry about that because this is mainly, like you said, a big passion project, and um, I want it to be fun. Like I want to keep that that fun about it because so many times when you're doing something, it can be heartbreaking. You know, <laughs> you know, oh, for me personally. But, but you, like you, you know, said, the, take it very seriously. You know the story uh, about how Joe Staten ended up doing the the strip. Um, uh, you know, he he was doing. Um, uh, there was a, a Tracy tribute site that, that um, uh, they were contributing to him and, and um, is it uh, Mike? Mike Curry, right? Yeah. And, and they were both contributing. They were working on the strip together. They were doing fan strips, really. I mean, Joe, Joe's an interesting guy. He'll just do a project sometimes when he feels like it, when it just for fun. And so he, he and Mike Curtis did these strips and uh, apparently the Tribune had heard about this site and was just about to, you know, was thinking about closing it down. Right. And instead they, they reached out to Joe Staten, um, because, uh, oh, who was working on the strip then? It wasn't Dick Loker. It was, um, uh, it was, it was him with another guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had an assistant and you could, um, he was no longer inking it. You could tell. Right. Yeah. And that's where, you know, he, he was no longer inking it. And like, I, I just, it, looking back, I would love to have traveled in time and been able to be an assistant or something, you know, I mean, that would have been an honor to oh. get the style that he does. Yeah. You know, it would have just been a great opportunity, but, um, you know, but you got your own thing. And you know, yeah. the thing is, is you just don't know where this could lead. You know, they, they right. ended up, they decided as long as these guys are doing this, we might get something out of it. And, you know, uh, let's, let's get, um, let's get Joe Staten in here with Mike Curtis to work on, uh, take over the strip. And that was just from seeing their work online and who the heck knows what might come from what you're doing, because what well, you're doing, then I feel better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you're doing is just so much better than, than just, you know, well, I've seen some great fan art, you know, over the, over the time or periods of time. I mean, uh, I've done a little bit of it myself. I got a little peanuts tribute, um, yeah. video that I made. And, um, and then, uh, you know, there's, if you're a fan of Star Trek, the, the original series, there's some great original series fan films and there's a Batman fan film and a shadow. Oh, yeah. I think it's great how creative fan bases are. And it happened with Star Wars too. Um, I love those Batman fan films. I love, I've seen, I've only seen one Dick Tracy fan film and I think the kid made it in high school. That's what it looked like to me, but it was <laughs> fun to watch. I'll watch anything. I, I, I will, uh, scour YouTube and, um, all the sites looking for Dick Tracy stuff. And I watched uh, so much. Uh, I, I don't get tired of it. And I enjoy, I enjoy all of it. I've got requests to do some of the people want to see also the serial characters. So that'd be fun. You know, the, from like Ralph bird. Yeah. And everything. So, that'd be really neat to eventually. I was if you'd seen those films, you know, those, yeah. those, they're a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. More- I get annoyed that he doesn't have his outfit. Yeah. I'm like, it's black and white. Can't you just <laughs> pretend he has his jacket? I just never understood that. And when they did a, uh, did you ever see the 60s pilot? That no. Was never bought. It's on YouTube. It was for TV. And oh. it's such a, 
it's a I don't want to say ripoff of Batman the TV series, but it's to- and they even have a pole that Junior goes down. You know? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, like like Batman the anime series. So, I uh, <laughs> I watched. I'm halfway through it. It's not like he doesn't have the hat again. He's got a gray hat. Why does he not have the hat? I mean, how hard is this? That's was- why. People always want a new movie or TV show of Dick Tracy, and I understand the need, but I'm like, can you imagine they won't even give him the outfit? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, and it could happen. You know, mm-hmm. at least we got saved from. That's I try to look at the bright side. I'm like, we, <laughs> me personally, real, I really am happy with the 1990 movie. I know I would love to have the brow throughout the whole thing. I'd mm-hmm. change that. You know, I wouldn't kill all those guys right at the beginning. They were so uh, like, you killed some of the top villains. Yeah. Yeah, why do so? That? There's things as a fan I would change, but I love it, and I'm glad we got Warren Beatty, who was a big star and actually cared about the comic, to make it. And yeah, yeah, you're never gonna get those matte paintings again, ever. No, I know they're fantastic. No, the direction and the design of that film is terrific. It's it's incredible. It's really... I think it was under way underappreciated at the time what he was doing with that. And you well, look back now after 50 million comic book movies have come out, and you can see it still holds up as something special. I agree, and and you know, the, the, and talking about it in terms of design, uh, you know, I, I really think that the art direction, I think the set design, I think all of it, and and the holding to the idea that this is a comic strip, an adaptation of a comic strip. Yeah. You know, it's live action, but it it's it holds on to its comic strip roots. And one of the things I have a real problem, I I I can't watch comic book movies now, man. I I, I they they sort of repel me. Um, (laughs) I'm telling you, I, I start, and I know this is anathema to people who love this stuff, but, uh, you know, and I, I teach, right. So I'm an older guy. I teach in a university and Mm -hmm. some of the kids every now and again, you know, just love, they grew up loving this stuff. And and they ask me if I've seen this, that, or the other one. I'm like, no, man, I cannot watch that because it, it just turns me, it turns me off so much like the justice league movie which just came out or Aquaman. I started to watch both of them. I was like, so turned off in the first 30 minutes. Uh, They're so, what's the word bloated. And it's so much stuffed into, and I'm like, I can't handle really long run times. And people go, Oh, that's nothing. I can binge anything. And I'm like, it's binging's different. I can binge a documentary series. I'll I'll watch crime right through, Mm -hmm. but that's individual stories. Yeah. Right. It's really important to have a beginning and ending. Yeah. Oh, I, an episodic, but a, a four hour movie is rough for me. I, I, I can't do, it. I don't know. I can't do it. I never thought there'd be a time where I wouldn't be able to watch every superhero thing. Cause when we were younger, there wasn't anything really. You'd have yeah. Batman mm-hmm. years before that. And you got Superman. Yeah. And I had the wonder woman TV show when I was little and the incredible Hulk. Yeah. And, now it's like, dude, I haven't seen any of these CW shows. Any. And I used to watch all of Smallville. <laughs> but it's once you did 50 things, I'm like, I can't. I yeah. can't keep up anymore. And now I got sent, I like it. I get sent new trailers by a friend. I'm like, I think I'm, man, I think they did it. I think they finally created so much I can't keep up with. Yeah, they created so much. It, it's not special anymore. But it, that thrill of seeing like Spider-Man, you know, fly, oh, that's awesome, swinging yeah. through the, the city, uh, was was really something when it first happened. But now I could, you know, honestly, it, the magic of CGI is kind of worn off. And um, you I know, did whereas, really like I really like the animated one. 
Yeah, and I think that that's you know again, it's one of the ones I've been slow to go see, but that's where it, for me that's that's where it, the excitement would be in something that is that fresh, you know, yeah. and exciting. Uh, it was really beautifully done. Yeah, you got to see all these different Spider Man, and I love the art style. Mm-hmm. Like it actually had a hand drawn quality on top yes. of, it. and uh, that I really really liked, and I liked uh, Homecoming because it was. He felt like a, he was like a kid Spider-Man, which you yeah. had like he was really a kid. I know Tobey Maguire was a kid, but he seemed older to me. Mm-hmm. But like this kid, you actually worry that he's going to get like I do. I worry that he's going to die like they yeah. managed to do it. And um, I, I really like that first one. But then then, you know, then he's in a thousand of them. Yeah, and and <laughs> kind of lose it, you know. Yeah. And every reboot of the origin story and same thing with with, you know. I go back to I I've been thinking about the difference between comic action in comic books, uh, you know, drawn and I'm, I'm go back to my Silver Age heroes, you know, Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby drew, you know, the most dynamic action scenes. Yeah, you know? he's brilliant. Brilliant. So, OK, what's the difference of the violence there and the violence, say, in Justice League, you know, um, the violence or the violence in Wonder Woman or the violence in any of these others? Because for me in the films, the violence is so overbearing and so overdone that, it, it, you know, half an hour of two people pummeling each other. Well, it, it's just point to me. It's pointless, you know, and it's it's narrative in terms of st- story structure in terms of narrative it just doesn't have any resonance for me whereas in a comic book it's a totally different thing you know it's about part of it is just a visceral response to diagonal lines and and color and you know um moving across a page there's this kind of visceral response we have to it um that i think is distinct because it's like looking at abstract expressionist painting in a way. It's like it's it's a visceral response to the graphic language that's being used. And the graphic language of comics has a certain innate uh, excitement about it. You know, bold color, strong lines, you know, lots of, of, you know, movement back and forth. Those kinds of action scenes have a resonance that's very different than violence on the screen. Yeah, they where, do a lot of crazy where you're actually thinking of human ash in the air. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. can, I mean, that's not what I want to think of when I'm watching superheroes. Like I don't like that. The second Avengers where they lift a plant, uh, a town up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you just killed all these people. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's in my head. And uh, I was watching the Transformer movies. I love mm-hmm. the '80s Transformers, so <laughs> I tried <laughs> to get through all the Bay ones. And uh, okay. at one point, like one of the giant Transformers just smashes a pedestrian vehicle, and yeah. I'm like. Well, those people are obliterated, you know, and you're thinking of this while you're trying to I'm trying to do escapism. That's why I do like that 1990 um, Tracy movie, because there is a wholesome quality to it. Mm -hmm. And he really he really Warren Beatty really captured that that nature, how he wanted. He said he wanted it to remind him of his childhood and how he didn't know, like name brands. That's why there's no name brands in it. So Chili is just Chili and there's a hat store and there's not they even don't have the car names on them. So they have to change, you know, anything that would be like, say, a Ford. You can't have that symbol on it. And uh, I really like that because that's how a kid would view the world. They wouldn't think of brands. And uh, when he punches, he punches like nine guys at once and they fall down like bowling pins. That's yeah. what I'm, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. That well, you know, 
Warren Beatty's a different kind of. First of all, Warren Beatty was a filmmaker, not a franchise maker. Right. And you know, he did uh, a number of films on his own as a producer and a director. He was interested in film as a medium for its own sake, and so every project he undertook, whether it's Bugsy or whether it's Reds or whether it's Dick Tracy, you know, he's making. You know, having can wait. He's interested in making a film. Yeah, he wants it to be a commercial success. He's a Hollywood guy. Okay, I get that. But the guy is is making a film because he's a filmmaker and he loves making movies. That's a big difference between superhero movies that are these big kind of, you know, spectacle franchises that are commercial enterprises above all else. You know, they're not really about movie making. They're about and um franchise making and so you know it's a totally different attitude about making a movie and mm -hmm. i think so he approached dick tracy from an artistic point of view not from okay you know how many of these things are we going to sell how many tickets we're going to sell how much blah 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 you know money are we going to rake in to do this that and the other thing it's not to say that you know people working on those films aren't thinking about the quality of their work but I think there's an underlying premise that's very distinct, whether it's on the part of the both on part of the corporation that's funding the film and also on the part of the filmmakers. Um, so when Beatty's making Dick Tracy, you know, he's thinking of making a great movie and he's making a movie that's got that is an adaptation of a comic strip. It's like a, he's just got this different vibe about it, I think. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. part of why Dick, Dick Tracy wasn't meant to be. The film wasn't meant to be, it was meant to be a great movie. It wasn't a comic strip movie, but it wasn't meant to be a franchise. It wasn't meant to be this kind of um, machine, you know, that I think a lot of superhero movies are now. Hey folks, it's time to take a break, stretch your legs, go for a walk, get yourself something to drink, a little nosh if you will. Come back for the second hour when you're ready. In the meantime, here's some information about my latest project. What if movies weren't just flickers of light on a screen, but windows into real worlds in alternate dimensions? What if one day you found yourself transported to the land of Oz and the Wicked Witch of the West was chasing after you? In green screen, a Hollywood sex symbol wakes up one morning to find she's in an alternate reality called the Cineverse, where she's no longer a movie star, and every movie ever made is a real world. She travels from one world to another, wrestling with movie monsters and evil empires, struggling to find her way back to a world where movies were just movies, and a green screen only a blank surface. Green Screen is a sci-fi fantasy comedy comic book, 32 pages in full color. You can buy the print edition at Etsy, at Jeff Grogan Art, or subscribe on Webtoons Canvas. Be sure to follow at Green Screen Comic on Instagram. He created it as uh, I think he did have ideas for a sequel, but I mean, you, when you mow down all the villains like that, I don't think I think he put <laughs> everything on the screen. You know, I think only Shaky <laughs> is left or Flattop Jr. There's not many, you know, after he mowed down like big ones, um, but there's still a ton of rogues that you could do. But you'd really have to go through the files and do yeah. some hunting on who we're going to use next. Who's, who's he obliterated so many. Uh, but and that's totally different we're not going to get a movie like that again no it's and when people say they want a new I, I would love it and i think a series would be great i think there's a ton of potential obviously for that character and i would want it to keep the spirit that he put in it where dick tracy is a good man 
and he's an honest man. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, because there are so many anti-heroes that it's just troubled heroes, a cliche yeah. now that yeah. these guys aren't really these good guys aren't really good guys. Yeah. And I like that he is a good guy. And they're you know be, it's that Elliot Ness thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's Kevin Costner in yeah. Untouchables. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's it's but it's it's that too. But I also think there's this idea like, okay, in terms of what you're saying, I think if it were to be done now as a as a as a television series or whatnot, they would, you know, they want to make it real, right? They'd want to imbue it with reality. With yeah, grit, it'd be gritty, with, which kills me. I mean, Dick yeah. Tracy has a grit to it because yes. I mean when he when he when the villains go down, they go down gruesomely. Oh my and, god! So and Dick is raked over the coals a million times. Oh, he's oh he's tortured. Uh, yeah. Is it itchy? Tortures him with just feeding him just that that would fit on a spoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. Oh my god! And he's impaled. He's dragged on a or almost impaled. He's um dragged behind cars. He's you he's know shot. He's burned. He's shot. He gets yep. burned so yeah. many times. Yeah, loses all his hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it grows back somehow. Oh my god, that whole series—I was totally freaked out. Now I've lost all my hair now. So, but when yeah. I was twelve and thirteen, I was like totally freaked out. Oh my god, <laughs> he lost all his hair. And, he's lit on fire. He had a mustache lit. at one point. Yes, he did. Oh my god! And then he's in the hospital for months or whatever. But you know, he always comes back because he's Dick Tracy and. Uh, and there's a simplicity about it, you know, which I think is appropriate to the comic strip form. And I think this is one of the things, too. You know, I, I go back to the, you know, like the Batman movies versus, you know, the TV series versus Neil Adams' Batman and and Frank Miller's Batman and versus, you know, the Batman of Carmine Infantino or the people from the early 60s or what, there's a big distinction there between the idea of Batman as a real being or Batman as a cartoon, you know? Right. And uh, and I, fu- I, I think probably the most successful combination of all of these things is Batman the Animated Series. I, I'm not sure that, that the films really ever f- managed that balancing act, you know, that's that's done in the animated series um that place in between you know where batman is a cartoon in the style or a comic strip you know or comic book comic character in the sense of its unreality and that combination of the intelligence you know that was brought to the work in in uh, the later in the 70s and then the 80s through neil adams and and the writers denny o'neill and then uh, frank miller you know yeah Uh, I I would have loved a Dick Tracy cartoon like the Batman animated series. And the template was there, too. I mean, look, the way they kind of did the 30s Fleischer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Feel. I mean, I I, as a kid was like, oh, we're going to get one of these. And we never did. And so I, you know, a lot of my uh, portraits kind of have that where people were commenting, oh, this would be great as an animation. I'm like, I know. Absolutely. (laughs) I wish. it, absolutely the design of it is so pro and, and looking at it is like yes this is a these are the the character designs this is a storyboard for you know dick tracy the animated series this is yeah i like how his when i draw his trench coat it's almost not cape like but it bigger than it would be in real life you know yeah. and just certain i think the wind would catch it i like the look of that i like doing that with it because it's not when i draw it it's not it would be disproportionate if you wore the coat i draw him in but it looks cool in the wind and when he walks so that's what it, I like. it does and it looks 
you know, the atmosphere, everything about it, you know, your stuff would be great if they're not going to like hire you to do the comic strip when Joe retires. Uh, and it's interesting. He was saying he's a little tired, although he's still working on it, but um, it, it would be great. You know, if you were able to do a comic book, you know, of uh, oh, that would be yeah. Anything would be an honor. Anything official would be a huge honor for me, um, because it's just something I hold deeply. I really believe in it, and I've got, I I do I have a giant passion for it, and I I, I I'm a just a fan. It's the one thing where I'm like a fan completely, you know. And I like bringing a positivity to that because so many family. You know, it's just a natural when you're a fan to be pit, nitpicking stuff and, you know, like how I'm, I mean, we all have our favorite things with it. And I mm-hmm. like 30s and 40s, you know, and some people like, they like, I don't hate Moon Maid. I like her design a lot. Mm-hmm. The only yeah. thing I don't connect with is that 60s cartoon. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. We're... <laughs> I can't stand the talking dog. That is unbelievable. But, you know, I'm a big fan of, of UPA, uh, the company. But by, by the time Dick Tracy came along, they'd been sold. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know any of the history of UPA, the um, the studio that produced. I don't know. I don't know about them. But I no, I don't. I don't know. Like, I just know that it looks like one of those kind of cartoons, like Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's done by the same studio. Okay. That, that uh, created Mr. Magoo. In I the like late Mr. 40s, Magoo. Early fifties. Well, you know, by the probably the Mr. Magoo you're probably referring to is probably the Mr. Magoo of the early sixties, the same time the Dick Tracy TV show came out. By that time, oh, was he voiced by Mr. Howe from Gilligan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He be, he did it for a long time. Yeah. Um, he was you know always the the voice of of Magoo, but yeah. Um, Jim Bacchus, but yes. um. Going back to that, UPA was a great animation studio. Did a lot of different things. Magoo was their bread and butter, but they did a lot of really beautiful animation in the late 40s, early 50s. They were sold, and they were a startup company that sort of threw the commercial animation industry into disarray because, uh, you know, it was Disney and Warner Brothers, and Fleischer was out of business by then, but commercial animation was dominated by those guys. Um, But... UPA came along with a lot of ex-Disney people who left after the strike in 41 and stuff, came over to UPA, and they 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 incorporated a lot of design elements from, you know, modernist graphic design and illustration in the 50s into their work and did some beautifully designed films in the, in the early 50s through the mid-50s. Early 60s, they sold the company, mm. and, uh, and uh, it was taken over. Um, by a guy who really had no feeling for animation. He just wanted to sell. And the one thing about what was identified as limited animation was that it could be done cheaply mm-hmm. uh, for television, you know, and whereas it can be done artistically, which is what UPA did before. It was beautiful. When we talk about limited animation, um, you know, they, they streamlined their designs. Their, the movement was also streamlined, but always with sensitivity and care. By the early 60s, you know, it was being kind of um, perverted to this kind of economic engine, you know, that produced really cheap animation for TV. And Dick Tracy, unfortunately, fell into that. That he's only made, he's only in the intro. Yeah, he's only in the intro, and then the rest. <laughs> I don't of, think he has his yellow hat either. I gotta look. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he, he does, but hat. he's got his two-way wrist TV. You know, he does have that. Yes, he's got that. But um, and but you know, what is the all these characters and you know racist stuff and, and oh, it's man. Like un, oh man, it's unbelievably bad, 
Unbelievable. It didn't, it didn't age well back then. Mm-mm. We knew then, you know, and I was watching it when when it came out in the early 60s as a kid. Oh, he's got a gray hat. This, this is unbelievable. I looked it's it up terrible. Here. This hat, this gray hat. Man, it's got to be yellow. That's my pet peeve that you, people can take away. I don't like when he has a gray hat, and then he is in the Sunday strip. He has a green hat. It oh. always bothered me. I guess they didn't want yellow on yellow. Yeah, and I'm yeah, just well, like, how do you have <laughs> his trademark is the yellow outfit? That's right. Absolutely. It is. How does he, where does he get this green hat from in this one? <laughs> I just don't. It bothers me. And the, the, I love the Dell comics. And, you know, he, his outfit can change colors at any moment. And those just depending yeah. on what people do and i'm just like it's the yellow and that's what makes them stand out so it's at least so do you have awesome. um do you have a whole collection do you have the the chester gould collection id idw's put out do you have the i am missing one and oh, it, wow. it tortures me i'm missing volume 22 so if anybody has a uh, a way you can't to find it no i i what they what they're trying to charge me the one person looking for it is ridiculous Oh, man. They have it for outrageous prices, and yeah. uh, I at that point you might as well get the blank figure. Yeah, you man. know that's the other thing I'm looking for. But yeah, I need Volume 22, which has uh, Mr. Bribery. Okay, yeah, which has have... bribery on the cover. That's the only. One. I have everyone but that one. Oh, heartbreaking, man. Oh, so wow. if anybody out there, listen, <laughs> <laughs> has got as a hookup for me. How we need? I it. will pay reasonably. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll make sure people know that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, some of your other work um, before we wind our way back to Tracy again. <laughs> um, you know, Float is a, a book that is based on a fairly brave book about your own issues with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a graphic memoir about uh, generalized anxiety disorder, uh, which I, I've had since uh, I was very little. I had no idea what it was. When I was younger, I just thought it was normal. I thought everybody uh, freaked out and had hyperventilating and panic attacks. I just thought it was a normal way of life. And then I learned, I you learn it isn't, you know, and I, I went to a doctor and he was like, you have generalized anxiety. So I was like, oh, thank God, because there was a reason. I just didn't understand. I felt so deeply mm-hmm. and things would hit me a lot harder than others, you know, and. I'd freak out and I, I didn't understand what it was. And also in plane rides, uh, unbearable is where I just, I learned what it was is I didn't want to disrupt other people's trip. And I was worrying about what they were thinking of when in reality, nobody cares. Like I'd be worrying about, oh, what if I have to get up and go to the bathroom? Oh, I'd worry what others would think of me. And it's just not, most people just go up and go. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I, I had those, well, especially when I was younger, I had the same, those same kind of fears, you know, uh, of what other people think of you. But um, when you're doing something like that or, you know, and it's true, people don't care. But so you, you were diagnosed. Yeah, a friend pointed out, we're not as, imp- you're not as important as you think you are. And that was wow. such a relief <laughs> when my <laughs> friend said that, because I was, you know, when I was like, what are the, you know, it's a main worry of people worrying about me or that they're not. So stop it. You know, it's just a lie. Anxiety is a a, a liar and he lies. And I always thought because I always worried about my father passing. He was he was an older father. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I always worried. I always I would cry just when he if we, if we when we lived together, you know, had him sleep, I'd cry. And I was like, what the heck is this? It turns out that's anxiety, too. It's just a fear that you, your loved ones are going to die uh-huh. and everybody dies. Right. 
But all that panic and all that worrying, it did not prepare me or help me one bit. It's not the real thing. So it was just, you know, it just goes to show what it's just it's not sometimes anxiety is good. Like sometimes like a nervousness is good. Oh, before a show or you got those pre-show jitters, but not this wrenching uh, fear for no reason. You know, and that's what I wanted to portray in the book that you think this inner voice is your friend because I'd always be in my own head. That's how I create stories and, you know, and but sometimes you're so in your own head. It's not good because you realize, wait a minute, that that inner monologue, it's not like in the book. He thinks it's helping him. It's Mm -hmm. like his Jarvis. It's not it's not it's not a friend. It's not good. And he learns that it wants him Anxiety wants him to be alone. Just that they'll die together. He doesn't mm-hmm. want him to have a, a loved a lover. It doesn't want him to have any friends. It doesn't want him to have any family. So push everybody away. So it's just and that's what anxiety does. It ruins relationships. It ruins your job. I mean, you know, I've I've lost jobs because uh, before I figured it out. Yeah, I was made to do art. I can't. I've tried office. <laughs> that would never work. You know, I was made to do what I'm doing. And uh, for some reason, it doesn't affect me from doing like luckily it doesn't affect me from doing work, I think, or designs for people. You know, mm-hmm. it just would have like a day job kind of situation. I'd freak out or what. I didn't understand it. Like I, I didn't understand it until I was diagnosed. And what the book aims to do is explain what it is because yeah. it's hard. I think that of all any issues with mental health, anxiety is a good uh, stepping stone to explain what other things are because people can wrap their mind about it. Everybody's had a little bit of anxiety. Sure. So it's, it's just about explaining what it is when it's constant. And I wanted to just show it like in a glamorous way, because when people usually draw like mental health things, you see scribbles or yeah. something, you know, or monsters and like my, I wouldn't listen to. So me personally, I, I, it didn't resonate with me when I would see that because I'm like, I'm not going to listen to a scribble. I got to show you why I'm ruining my life. So in the book, it's like a charismatic, sexy rock star that wants mm-hmm. you to party with him. Right. And that party and- is like, end your, end your life. So it's this bad influence that you think is cool and sexy. And he's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it turns out he wants to kill you. So that's what I wanted to do because I just wanted to show how I feel and how, because I couldn't, I didn't want to say oh, it was like, like a black cloud. I mean, I don't, that's for more for a depression, which I get, but for me, it's, uh, it's not a scribble, you know, cause I couldn't yeah. really. Well, well, and so you tell you, you walk the character through the process of discovering this about themselves and, and how they learn to cope with it. Is that kind of, how, yeah, how you basically see my life. Uh, it starts when I'm a baby. Mm-hmm. And you see how I began and then how that character gets formed. And it also follows along an avatar of me as a cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, like a comic strip. Mm-hmm. There's there's three different worlds. There's the worm, which the worm is the comic strip character. And then he, he, he has beautiful wings. But he, when he gets, you know, when he crashes, the wings get burned and he falls. And then he has to, you know, learn to fly again. And that character is created by me in the book, but I'm portrayed in the book like how you view yourself in your mind or a dream. 
like, uh-huh. like almost a movie star looks because you're not going to see the real me yet. I'm hiding. And this version of me is like really uh, classically handsome and he's got abs, you know, and he's got a full head of hair and he's, you know, and you follow him as if it's a, in a movie plot where he's getting a special uh, therapy session on an island. Right. He's been promised that this will solve anxiety and cure it. So he's going to go to this island. So you almost have a lost feel and you're there and he's in therapy sessions and he knows something's a lie. Something doesn't feel right. So it's almost like it's kind of a fantasy he's built up. Mm-hmm. And when you break through that fantasy, you see the real me and you'll get revealed how I really feel, how I really think about myself. And then, you know, I reveal a ton of stuff that <laughs> when it was getting published, I was like, uh oh, you know, you just you, it's so personal. And I didn't think of that when I'm doing it. And it's very revealing. And uh, that's the point of the project. But you get to, as you work your way through the story, you'll get to what it really feels like in the real me. And then it all, everybody meets everybody. And, you know, and then you have a culmination. So I try to give you, I try to show you what it's like for me dealing with it. And, and, and it's a really cool art project, I think. Mm-hmm. And what? How's the response been to it? Have you heard from? Oh, people? it was over. Yeah, it was overwhelming when the Kickstarter when it was. It was very successful. It was a. Right. They promoted. It was the first one of mine that got a project we love. Oh, from okay. them. I was really happy with that. Um, it sells to this day for my. I only sell it on my website. I don't <laughs> allow it on Amazon like the other stuff. Everything oh. else you can find on Amazon. Right. Uh, Normal and Mr. Scoodles, but not Float. Float you go to my website for. It's just. So when I see reviews, I like I know you read that. <laughs> oh, Sometimes you'll see a review and I'm like, did you read it? I don't know. But <laughs> I know if you read it because I know where every copy went. So yeah. I just like that it's like that. I can I can do that. It comes from my site and it's very personal. So, yeah. I mean, there were. Um, it's the first project to get of mine that got like positive responses from actual uh, comic book professionals and editors. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which well, is nice, you know. Yeah, it is nice, and and so you finally, so people, <laughs> yeah, right. People have reached out and talked to you. I think when you you you're brave enough to tell a story about yourself like that, I think it it impacts people, you know. Yeah, I wanted to show what I could do with the with that art form because I don't think it's done a lot because there's a lot of mainstream comics where it's just you know the same. I really wanted to do interesting stuff with visual storytelling, and I put it all into that book. Yeah, stuff yeah, I could do on the other ones. You know, I wanted to show I know how to do sequential art and here's interesting things. And parts of it are like a storybook almost. You have full page, you know, yeah. and Beautiful I was free stuff. to do that because I'm I can do whatever I want at, with that. And then with um, I actually got positive, really, really positive feedback from editorial and stuff on that. And I'm finding with the Dick Tracy stuff. So oh, it's yeah. really cool that you know, they're completely different. But yeah. I like seeing when things really resonate and then paranormal resonates with the paranormal crowd you know yeah, so, yeah. so you've got like niche audiences in all every case you got you know yeah. people who who maybe i mean comics p- people who are into autobio comics but people are also into uh, you know who have issues with anxiety and yeah. similar issues can pick this up and and really find a you know, kind of guide through somebody else's experience, which is always helpful and always therapeutic. And uh, so and it's it, also good if you don't know what anxiety is. 
Yeah, like sure. it's written that way, and it's written in a way that if you have anxiety, if you knew somebody with it, or you have no idea what it is, it's it's written for all of you, for all those categories. Yeah, and so it, it'll it, it, you know, so you might wake up to something that you you've experienced yourself by reading yeah. this book. Yeah, I had people say that they recognized what I was doing, and mm-hmm. went go got to see a help got help that next day. Wow. Which I mean, you know, that's to cool. have that's the first project where because you can inspire people and help make their day better. But to actually mm-hmm. positively affect their health, yeah. that was a big thing. And that that was very special to me. And I knew that it was, it was worth doing when you have that. Yeah, sure it is. It, it's uh, I mean, that's why we do it. Right. And it's not yeah. just I mean, it's to reach somebody else. And ideally, you know, to reach them on different levels, you know, on one level, sometimes you're just out to entertain somebody and another time you're out to illuminate an issue that may impact their lives somehow. And, uh, and this does that. And that's, that's a great project. Now it's a multimedia project too. There's music that goes with this. Yes. My friend, uh, Victor Guest, a very talented musician, did a full soundtrack to it. It's almost like a Broadway show. And he, wow. I would communicate, I would tell him things from my childhood growing up. He would take notes. He would, he, I would send him the book as it was being made. I would send him pages and all the art and he combined it and used some of my writing in there with new lyrics. And it's like, um, it, it doesn't, why you can't, You'd have to time it just right, you know, like Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz. But I like to think you could play and look through the book at the same time and things will meet up. And it's really moving what he did. I I think it's beautiful. And I was I was really an honor to have a friend make up, you know, make songs about you. You know, now I know why uh, those musicians, why people fall in love with them. (laughs) (laughs) It's really like. Uh, special, you know, it's humbling to have somebody sing, a, you know, about your life. That's that. That's amazing. Yeah, we we made CDs too. That was neat. I like CDs. You know, I like physical medium. That's why the Dick Tracy project. I want a book. I I like books. I like CDs. I like albums. So yeah, well, good to do that. Yeah, well, the, the, you know, my wife and I were just talking. You know, we're both a different generation, so you know album rock albums vinyl all that stuff was really important to us and it's funny how less we listen to music now because it's more <laughs> available and less of a thing i mean um, so weird you used to have the art of the covers the album yeah. you know even with a cd i really love the booklets oh yeah me too yeah now they're but, just a, a thumbnail yeah, there's nothing to it, and and um, that's a lost art form. And I think the album cover was a great thing. But there's something about the significance of the object uh, that makes real the experience. And so, you know, when you took a vinyl, and and this is not a small thing. This is, this relates to comic books, graphic novels, books as well. I like the book also, and it's not only because I mean, because I read comics on Instagram, I read comics, you know, downloaded, whatever, all kinds of forms, but. Nothing is quite like that experience with the book, which is a private experience. The same thing is true of the music. When, you, when you're disassociated or disconnected from the Internet and you put a record on the turntable, you're, this is your private experience and it is made real to you thus way. You have to pick up mm-hmm. the record, put it on the turntable. And, you know, this tactile experience sounds like nothing, but we, and we used to take it for granted, but it's a real thing, man. And the same thing is true of holding a book. You are in a private realm when you read a novel or you read a graphic novel or whatever you're doing with a book in your hand 
it is separate. But when you're online in whatever form or whether you've digitally downloaded something, you are you're connected, whether you, you know, series listening. Right. So you're you're there with your book and you're reading it on your iPad or something. That's a that's a different experience than having it in your hand. And yeah, that that's why I went through with with the Dick Tracy. I liked getting the books. And also, I actually, you know, on eBay purchased mm-hmm. some vintage newspaper somebody was selling from the 30s from from, i found my dad's birth year i found two strips two sunday strips and they're in really incredible condition but that allows me to actually look at these colors he used yes see what they look like see how that paper looks and then also uh compare that to the dell comics i got a couple issues of those Mm -hmm. so i could see in there those things are scary to touch you know, that's why I'm glad people scanned them. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Because while I own them, man, I am terrified to open them. They're yeah, like... you don't. Yeah, <laughs> put them in a bag. I have a fat, fantastic four collection that I don't, you know. Oh, ever... They just chip. Yeah, they chip and they I fall apart. Like, oh, part of me died, even though it was already in rough shape, you know, because I, I found some of these. It's crazy when you go looking for Dick Tracy stuff. Like, sometimes I can find, no matter on an antiquing trip, I will find one or two things. And uh, when I was in Maine, I found a couple comics, but they were on the floor between things. Uh-huh. In the and, dirt. Yeah. Nobody, yeah, they treated like, you know. Yeah, and I, I still got them. And she charged a ridiculous amount, but I think that's Maine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like, I have... You know these are on the floor, right? You know, uh, it, it's interesting. There's the, the, that kind of thing that... The fetishizing of the comic book, on the one hand, is an object, right? And we 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 uh, put it in the in the what is it polyurethane bag and seal it yeah. up, right? And make sure it stays safe. And then there's the experience that my experience at comic books when I first started reading them as a kid was, I think, um, in my dad's barber shop. You know, it was like I was like four or five or something. I couldn't read, but you know, the comics were there, but the covers were ripped off of them. And you know I they're drew just drew them too. Yeah, people drew all over them and stuff, and nobody thought anything of it. You know, uh, there's something to be said for that at the same time. But then you know now, 50 years later, you're holding this comic book, and the staple is, is the covers ripping apart from the staple, and you're like about to die because you know you just want it to stay as it was anyway, and not fall. Oh, apart. I know. You know, I I bought like I stumbled upon the Dell comic one issue one of Tracy. And oh, wow. Yeah. It's graded. It's a low grade, but still. Yeah. That's so incredible. I, I managed to find a very affordable reader copy. Okay. So I like, I have one I can look at, you know, and it's cool. It's really, really special. And the even fact that they're up. even still uh, surviving. Yeah. <laughs> I know they really shouldn't be, you know, you no. think about they're on newsprint. It's like pulp paper. That's with, you know, there's nothing archival about the the printing or the the inks or anything. It all should be like crumbling to dust. Maybe someday it will, no matter what we do. But yeah, uh, it's like know. the He-Man rubber legs. You know, the rubber bands and He-Man figures. They're all gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I collect. I have a collection. You know, from when I was a kid, and other people have given them to me, and um, they terrify me. The legs, because <laughs> in 20 more years. Or even 10, they're all going to start degrading. That's rubber band 
you know, they're not meant. These guys didn't know we'd be holding on to them this long. No, you know, I don't think anybody ever imagined, you know, that uh, we would want this connection, you know, this literal connection to a time when paper, newspaper and, and comic books actually mattered um as material form um you know i have uh, dick tracy uh, sunday page up on my wall um, oh awesome me. what year do you have i think it's the uh, i have to go back and look at it again it's in it's in the 30s it's um i oh, think wow. it's late 30s so Is it from because, the paper or an original no it's from the newspaper it's a tear okay. yeah do i couldn't you, afford uh, you that's great that yeah. the colors are beautiful aren't they not Oh yeah, I love them. I have that. I have actually like four or five different strips. I got a um, Prince Valiant that's right next to it. Oh and, wow! Uh, and uh, they're just you know tear sheets from the newspaper. The Prince Valiant I remember yeah. is thirty-seven. Um, I've got another one of Tarzan, Hal Foster Tarzan, and I've got uh, a Smiling Jack. Uh, <laughs> you know, a Zach Mosley thing. Um, the art is so beautiful, and it was weird yeah. as I grew up. You could see how they were just sacrificing art and space in the newspaper just to oh. cram things in and killing yeah. them, you know, in my opinion, just killing. Oh, oh what, that's the death of man. That is absolutely the death of, of the comic strip is when it started to shrink. Or you see, it's just like, you might as well have stick figures. Yeah. And, and which is what you end up with a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, and that was, and I have seen that happen in newspapers and then what I liked in comics and then Mad Magazine, oh, and I'm yeah. like, I can't. I don't know if I can handle this much stuff ending. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, thank God for regular Kickstarter. TV, maybe. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what, what is this generation having to see? You know, I'm like, it's a well. You know, it's true. Um, it, there, you know, I there's so many distinctions between the way those of us who were raised in the analog world. <laughs> see things and i think the way you know those raised after and of course my grandparents would say there's a distinction between they saw the yeah. way they saw the world and the way i saw the world being a television age kid you know because yeah TV, that's true that's true know? i mean i i long that's why i do like that time period i long you know a movie was special i yeah. think movies are special you go there and they used to play serials and they you'd play a newsreel um yeah. just the fact that cars were new yeah. And him, like Dick Tracy, having a wrist radio is this huge technology that leaps him above the villains at the time. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I, For me, that's why I'm like, everybody has a smartwatch now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not a special. Like, you can keep making a TV and all this stuff, but, like, I like when he has that radio. And yeah. that's the leap. Yeah, you don't want, yeah, exa yeah, exactly, you know, that was special in and of itself, and that was the, you don't have to keep adapting it, it's like, you know, the that moment was a, an important moment. And yeah, I like him as a guy in his time. Yeah, me too. And, mm -hmm. and then before that, there's just so many things you can play off of, because it's very specific, and kind of, like, I saw a video where they were reviewing the stories, and they kind of made, I don't like like I'm, I take it very like seriously. I don't like when they mock like certain aspects, like how uh, BB BBI is, he he was a tire a bootleg tire runner. I think yeah. was it him. Um, honestly, no who sold bootleg tires? Somebody did. Okay. Well, I forget. See, I read them all, and then sometimes yeah. they run in their crimes. 
Well, yeah, you know, and they, it, it all merges together, and that's the problem that I have too. You know, I have crime. to go through the Wikipedia and then look in the books, and I'm like, okay, who sold that? Well, somebody sold bootleg tires, uh, <laughs> and um, they were making fun of that. That's a crime. That's a real crime back in the day. Crime uh, rubber was limited due to the war. That's yeah. a huge crime. Oh my god! And well, they made fun of it. Oh, it's like selling bootleg CDs. It's really not the same thing. No, CDs you know it's banned. Be, you know, at low supply because of a wartime man. It's a big deal. It's a big crime in that. Well, you know, this is the thing about history, and this is why it's. You know, I I love that. Oh, man, you know. Every time somebody from the past, uh, an older generation passes away, you know, you, 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 you've that sense of place that these people lived through this period of time and they have these experiences and they, you know, the wonderful thing about grandparents is, is the connection you have to the past through them and their experiences, their experiences are just as important as our experiences are. Their lifetime was just as experienced. You know, as we grow up, we, ha- I think we developed this idea that our time is the most advanced time. Right. And and we have, you know, the most uh, advanced technology and the the best outlook on life and all that. And there's certainly obviously there's things that that evolve with time that are better. You know, um, obviously our attitudes towards, you know, sexuality, gender, race, all these things are evolving all the time. And hopefully we're getting smarter and, and more compassionate and all of these things as time goes on. But at the same time, we say that. You know, this connection to the past through these people, their experiences in their lifetimes were real, you know, and they had had real import and real impact. And sometimes, you know, in the callowness of youth or whatever, we can be dismissive of those experiences because we are, you know, so advanced and so sophisticated now. But but, you know, that's not necessarily so true. True. You know, it's it's it, it it's it's important to realize the significance and to, to connect to the history in a real way and understand, you know, what people were going through and, and how they developed and what the, the impact of those events were on the life they lives they led and were able to lead, you know, in those moments of the past. Um, yeah. And these, these stories, like there is not another strip like this and I think it should be celebrated, which is, the whole reason I do the thing. And, uh, it's, I, I don't, it's almost a, you know, they dismiss it, but there's really great stories. Oh, they're fantastic. Try the crime. They, I saw somebody being, somebody sent me a YouTube video and, uh, I lasted about, um, a minute and they were trying to say, you know, comics evolve, but the comic strip really didn't. I'm like, it did. What are you talking about? His art completely evolved. Yeah. He got better and better. Um, and I really love the thirties ones, those early ones. Oh yeah, me too. Really love them. And it evolves. His style evolves over time as well. Does his cinematic storytelling. Yes. His way of throwing out narration at certain points, you know, and not using it. And just the fact that one guy can create all these characters is insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it's all him and it's for 40 years. It's insane. The amount of work. And then he, uh, I just, it really, it's not something to be dismissed that it didn't grow. I just, you're not looking at the same thing. You're not, you don't know it, you know? And so hopefully what you can do is I get people all the time going, I didn't even know about this. I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't a Dick Tracy fan and now I want to read the book, which is really humbling because I'm just doing portraits, you know, that I like 
yeah, but you know, so it's neat that they want to discover the character and read the books through that. Well, and I think that's great, and that, and that shows what your project could do, you know, in a book form or in a gallery yeah. show or whatever. It certainly could do all of those things and bring people back to the strip, bring them back to Chester Gould's work, which is, I think, where your your work, you know, uh, um, points to. I think it points directly back to Gould, and because of the, um, you know, your your flair for the villains and the exaggerations inherent in the design of the villains. It, it fuels you right back to Gould's work and the eccentricity of Gould's work. And this is something that I think is really important. The, the, you know, within comics in general, there's a wide, you know, variety of, of stylistic approaches, but you know, if you're going to go through the previews catalog now, you're going to see a lot of stuff that falls within a certain, you know, approach to comic storytelling, this highly mm-hmm. illustrative, either manga, you know, very heavily influenced by manga, or or there's this other kind of illustrative approach that, that is very popular and defines a lot of comics these days. But Chester Gould was this wildly eccentric, you know, and a lot of these these cartoonists in those days, you know, before comic strips were codified and stylistically codified and comic books were codified to different kinds of approaches, you know. Um, you have these eccentrics, these wild cards like Chester Gould, who comes out of nowhere, who's not really classically trained, you know, uh, who has no sense of perspective whatsoever, but over who cares, you know, when you look at the comic strip, it's so convincing in its world and the darkness of its world, the, um, the dramatic qualities of Chester Gould's cartooning and the, the, the really over the top exaggerations and embodiment of villainy in these grotesque characters. Yeah. They're really evil there. I'm a caricaturist, so I can, he is a top caricature artist. Oh my God. I mean, he is, he can, the way he can. And what I tried to learn from this is, embracing simplicity too uh-huh. with what yeah, you can do yeah. with a line because i'm naturally instinct you some i don't like overdrawing mm-hmm. and i you know and it's just a very fine line to get this just right yeah and uh i it's a it's a it's like an experiment every every piece to get that just right and 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 still add my own flair you know and add my own style but you can see it's a tribute to him but it's still yes. me drawing it you know absolutely that's so well put it's exactly what happens you look at that work and you see gould but you see you and that's what's also what's exciting about it and i love what you're saying about not overdrawing um you know there there is this uh again you know and it can be really impressive you know certain illustrators cartoonists you know i'm looking at like uh, somebody like arthur adams uh yeah oh he's amazing He's amazing. His yeah. stuff is beautiful. and It's overwhelming. I don't need a hundred Arthur Adams though. And there are a lot of people who, who follow up on what he does, but his there's stuff a ton. Is, there's a ton that try to be Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> I could and, never imagine drawing smoke like him. You know, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my Lord. And it's just beautiful to stare at, but there are a lot of people that try to be Art Adams. Which, I mean, I mean, look, I like Chester Gold. So don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, you're, <laughs> Yeah, not one to say. <laughs> um, I like when, yeah, I like t- p- taking parts that influence me from people I like and blending them. And over time, you get that. Over time, you develop your thing, you know. And um, 
It can take a long time, but he's very skilled at doing so many details. And Chester Gould has a lot of details that, like, I can't do his um, his way of, you know, how he would scrape a razor blade on the ink. So I just try to replicate that as I can. Mm-hmm. I can't scrape a razor blade on my iPad. I think that wouldn't <laughs> go well and it wouldn't achieve the fact, you know. So there's like little things I'll I'll take, and I people see. It's so cool because the community that's being built that 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 we're all together as part of that that page is that people notice little things that I put in, like how if I draw flat top, his hands in a weird position. Well, that's because that's how it would have been in the strip because Gould has sometimes hands coming out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Or like bigger in the foreground. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. They're talking Tracy sometimes three times the size. And uh, I'll do little stuff like that sometimes. And uh, I'm glad when people get it because you know, it's just very that's in the strip. I want it to be true of it and also my my kind of thing. Well, and I have to say, you know, Howie, that that's exactly what comes across. It, it It's very true, you know, for people who are fans of Dick Tracy. Honestly, it's the truest version and I'm a fan of Joe Staten's work and I like Dick Loker's work and, and Max Collins and I like all those guys. But when I look at your work, uh, it's the closest to Gould that I, I've seen. Oh, you know, wow. I don't mean yeah, that's, I, that's amazing. Thank you. And I don't mean that it's a slavish replication mm-hmm. of Gould. I mean, it's the air to Gould. It's like you have you have taken the, you know, it, and I know I tend to, you know, pontificate whenever I'm talking to somebody, but I really feel this about what you're doing. You've taken, you know, Gould, you, you've, in, in, let's see, what's the word, imbued him inside of yourself and turned it around, added your own thing to it and brought it back into the world. So it's like literally... This is, you know, the genetic heir of Chester Gould's work in a way, and in, in a way that I think is is closer to Gould than I think anybody who's who's worked on it since. And it's not to say like Dick Loker's stuff could look like Gould, but late Gould, but your stuff is invested with something of the spirit of Gould that I think is 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 unique and much closer to him in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, I get it's I like that means so much to me. I really appreciate that. That is uh, that's a humbling and just that's exactly what I want. You know, I want people to see uh, a direct link and correlation. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, I've studied always studied his work and that world. It's so alive to me and mm-hmm. real and I want to carry it on. But you can tell when somebody's just kind of kind of. Not mimicking, but, you know, like you said, it's a direct copy, and I don't want that. I get nervous when I don't want to stray from his designs because it's, yeah. the, you know, it's like sometimes like Big Frost, you have to draw him the way he did him. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that big guy's face is not, I don't like, to, I like updating a little bit, like my mole is a little bit different, but he's still the mole. Yeah. And I don't want to stray too, it's a, it's a balancing act, you know. I tried, it started with the... What really got me going was like how close is Junior or Pat Patton? Because those eyes, those dot eyes. Yeah. You you either go full in. Because <laughs> I tried different variations of Pat Patton with other eyes, and it looked weird. He didn't look right without those eyes. Yeah. He, he looked strange. <laughs> it was kind of creepy when I gave him eyelids and stuff. It was weird. Um, so I 
that's the moment where I was like, dude, you got to do these. It's the thirties. That's what it looks like, you know? And that's what you want. You're not, you're not, because then you have BB eyes. He's got to have those eyes too, kind of, you know? And I, I did quickly look it up. He is the, he is the tire bootlegger. I was right. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, bootlegging was a big freaking thing, you know? I mean, yeah, it was a huge, that's the, that's how uh, the mafia start, you know, got their. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, the, you gotta have like, you know, when you're when you're watching, when you're reading stuff from the air, the period, or you're watching, you know, a Jimmy Cagney movie or something, you know, you you have to step into that world a moment, you know, and and you have to be cognizant of, you know, the methods of storytelling and and the stories that are being told in their resonance within the world that existed then, you know. I mean, Not these the are prime. They'll kill for those tires. Sure. Oh my God. Yeah. They'll, they'll kill to get that. So it's like not. I just don't. It's flippancy that kind of bothers me. Like I get it's just a comic strip, but like I don't like when people like look back at an older thing and are dismissive because of it's like. But if you look historically at the time, uh, you know, stealing like bicycles from children and mm-hmm. then wrecking them, like is one plot. They yeah. use Junior to wreck a bunch of bicycles. Yeah. That's expensive nowadays. So imagine how expensive it was in the Depression. Yeah. And then yeah. selling them new bikes or repairing them, you're ripping them off. That is something that should involve Dick Tracy. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, that's just the crazy thing. You know, it's like these crimes are like, he was on legit crimes most of the times. that would have, And the guy can't get a break on vacation. No, he no. <laughs> he can't vacation. He well, can't that's, the, that's the joke in the Ralph Bird movies, right? They, yeah. They end every time with, you know, he's about to sit down to his birthday dinner with Tess, and all of a sudden, you know, the uh, siren goes by, and he's <laughs> called into work again. Guy never or gets Tess, Tess in those is more dismissed than she is anywhere else in those, in those serials. <laughs> oh, poor Tess, man. You know, she's long-suffering. Uh, uh, I can't have dinner. You gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah. I gotta work. What does that woman hang around for? That's what, you know, I mean. Uh, the only time he's really interested in her in the serials is when she's part of the crime. Like, a yeah. And he actually has to interview her as a subject. And I think he's actually more into her when she's a a witness to a crime. A witness, yeah, <laughs> as far as the serials go, you know, the, the 1990 movie is much different where you can see he, yeah, they have a loving relationship, you know. And yeah, I, she takes, she has enough. Like in the comics, she often has enough of him. Yeah, and he, yeah, he 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 uh, messes up quite a bit, which I like. He's not infallible at all. Oh, he no, no. doesn't understand women a lot. No, absolutely not. Right, and uh, women you like know, him, but he doesn't understand them, and he doesn't. No. He's not a great communicator with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tracy is in a lot of ways the um, he he's like he's the template, you know, for a lot of of superheroes that came later in his and his attitudes you know um his uh, what might be identified now as kind of you know cardboard cutout attitudes in regard to um uh good and bad you know um black and white you know seeing yeah they're very it's very this is good this is evil which you know you can it's it's got to be that way for that kind of storytelling yeah, I He's think good. so. And that, but he does run into crooked cops. Yep. 
He mm-hmm. has to clean an entire. He has to go help a town, and fire all the police officers that are crooked. So they do have that. Oh yeah, He's always year? dealt with that from the beginning. That's um, I have a uh, uh, that's from the thirties, isn't it? That's yes. yeah. Yeah, he got he gets recruited to fix shape up this town, and he's like, yep. all these cops are crooked. Yes, and he gets rid of all of them because yeah. there's no, you know, you, you, of course, it's always been something in the way he handled it. It's not like you know, nonstop, nonstop was it wasn't. Sh- there are bad people, and he weeds them out. He sure does. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he's he's it, it, you know it's a classic comic strip and it's got you know it's all of the parts are are there and uh, Tracy's you know as easily identifiable as as his character is you know um, all these years later he's still fascinating I think it's his vulnerability that makes him fascinating the, the fact that he gets beaten up so much the fact that but also his perseverance he just keeps going on you know he he won't um, he won't give in. Uh, at any moment he's yeah, about I, to die and he won't <laughs> he just yeah. won't die and i think he is uh the first i could be wrong i think he's the first police character to argue with his boss oh yeah always argued with his bot with chief of police always yeah. and said you guys are idiots <laughs> <laughs> and i that's a trope you know that continues today is the famous lethal weapon you know where the guy yeah. The hero cop flips out with his boss, you know, and that's he he did it. I, I don't think that I, I think that originated with him. It's like it's a, I always think of the things that he originated that you take for granted, yeah. you know, like um, the trench coat and the fedora. Yeah. And, I mean, I think and, and then I, I didn't know how much he fought with his boss. He threatened to quit all the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he didn't and, like uh, the way they did things, you know, and that standing up for what's right. He has a very particular code, and he called them morons before because they arrested Junior. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was always, uh, he was not afraid to use his weapon, you know, at the same time. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, and I like, I love Tommy guns, the look of them. Oh, and yeah. I actually got to hold one uh, recently because uh, with, I, I, um, I'm doing a project with, um, the New Jersey uh, Troopers United, which is for, you know, a charity. And they actually let, they have a Tommy gun. I got to hold the to- a real one, which is really, I mean, I, I never thought I'd get to hold a, a real Tommy gun. And they let me wear the jacket and everything. And I post for well, it. My wife told are- them, made me wear that jacket. She got me the jacket. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and they didn't shame me. You know, they're like, yes, you have to wear the jacket and the hat. So it was like that he, um, I mean, these guys, they establish that these villains are really, really awful. Well, like, I was going to face yeah. kills a dog. That's enough yeah. for me, you know? Yes. No, absolutely. That's right. You know, the, the, these guys were really bad and the, and Chester Gould was, I mean, what was it? Uh, Colonel Patterson said to him, you know, we want to see the bullet through the head. Yeah. Um, these people were really, really evil and really awful. And in the comics page in those days, yeah, you could show Pruneface, you know, killing a dog and, uh, or what you got to establish how bad they are. These are, yeah, I like the villains, you know, obviously I like the brow. He's a terrible person. They're and terrible people. He has, yeah. he gets, they get what's coming to them. And, uh, and it's, it's that, uh, karmic justice also, you know, it's also pulp tale. Yeah. It's a yeah. pulp story. So that's, it it's gritty and it, it is gritty and it is, uh, they, <laughs> he'll show, he likes drawing the bullets going right through people. <laughs> 
Yeah, he got, a lot of people get their hands shot. I eat disarms like Tracy will just shoot you in the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they kind of act like, oh, you just hit my hand. I'm like, your hand would be gone. Yeah. I know. But it's <laughs> I know not, they can't draw that, but your hand would. But, you know, um, it's it's very interesting. You know, the era that Tracy came up in, in regard to Law and Order, you know, it's something to keep in mind that is very distinct from the time we live in now. Yeah, and that's why I like keeping him in that time. Yeah. And I like because, keeping him in a, in a fictional world. It's his town. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's... He makes sense there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, makes that's sense where I like to keep him. Time. And plus, you can have all those characters back. Yeah, exactly. You can go back. And I think it makes a lot of sense to keep him there because... You know, the attitude, you just can't go, the attitudes about law enforcement and and attitudes about using weaponry and things like that, you know, they're all very different for obviously very good reasons today. It's a wholly, we're we're in a different context and a different discussion, but when you're talking about the depression. Yeah, when you're talking about uh, those guys, Dillinger. Yeah, Dillinger. They're not, and Bonnie and Clyde were romanticized. It's not romantic what they did to people. Right. No, absolutely not. You know, and that's and, th- that's who he's fighting. Right. He's fighting people that will mow you down, will yeah. do whatever they need. And they were like the And that era. They're unequipped against the weapons that were being used against them, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, and it, this is like a real thing. I mean, they were under attack and under siege. And, you know, and well, with the way yeah. back then, you could just take a car. Well, you know, and, and you Pretty know, too. Car back in the day. Oh my God! Yeah, it's so funny because um, you could watch movies uh, like from the thirties, and you see somebody just get into a car and drive off with it. You could, with it, you know, <laughs> they just get in, and drive off in somebody else's car. Catherine yeah. Hepburn and bringing a baby does it several times. <laughs> you, know? you could just back in the day. I'm going. You yeah. could leave. It's crazy. You could just leave your life. Yeah. Oh yeah, you could disappear. Sure. Well, you know, it's a different, it is such a very different world and a very different environment that we live in today. And Dick Tracy is rightly situated in your work in the past and uh, in, in the thirties and the forties. I don't era. want him in a t-shirt, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no. I got very specific viewpoints. <laughs> that's yeah, where I'm very... <laughs> and I think that's what resonates in the work, right? Is your love of, of the original Dick Tracy, your love of that era um, you know, the, the, and the, the mythic quality that comes with that. And, uh, and as, as, I mean, aesthetically beautiful as your work is, it's also, there's, it's, it's, it resonates that mythic quality of, of thirties, forties, Dick Tracy really resonates in it. Yeah. And I think you find a lot of people who don't know the strip like this art, like the art that I'm doing. And I hope it connects with them so that they go then check out the character or they were fans of the movie specifically. Yeah. And that is a very big nostalgia thing. And I do uh, movie portraits, too. And I evolve those colors. And like I have Sam Kajim. Well, he's got his movie colors because I like them. Yeah. I like, I like the colors they gave him for the movie. So I use that, you know, yeah. and um, I and like that film had a very high contrast, um, high key palette. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, cool. uh, I, I was, I like, I like, uh, doing stuff like that and then mix, mi- you know, mi- mixing them back and forth, uh, taking what I like and plopping it in because they can, they can be s- switched out so much. 
it's like very fluid because he was using the palette and it's crazy that if you go through and look through these 30s comics how you know they had them printed out in the art room things sets yes. the doors yes. how they look how the how the how the windows look you know i'm like yeah. oh my god that's in the movie you can see yeah. the streets like when junior's fighting with steve the train that's all in there with the well, train I think you can make a case for that movie being really, let's think about it. You know, I mean, really the, the ult, you know, is it the ultimate comic strip movie in, in that sense that it's so, you know, immersed in comic, the look and the world of the comic strip, as opposed to trying to emulate the, a, some sense or idea of the real world. I mean, it's imbued, it's it's invested in the in the design, the look of comics, the um, the exaggerations of comics, the simplifications of comics. It's invested in all of that. And I'm trying to think of another movie adaptation of a comic that is is that seems as invested in the comic strip form visually and conceptually maybe popeye you know by popeye did it and sin city um, sin city okay yeah <clears throat> whereas i felt like because he was actually involved in it frank miller was actually involved in it yeah that's you could directly look at the page i know for a fact they used the comic you know as yeah. storyboards yeah and it's it's it is crazy to see how much warren Beatty loved it and adhere to it and protected it. And he still does. That's why he has the right, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody said they want like other things, but think of how many bad things you could have. You could have <laughs> on midnight at, on sci-fi channel, a really bad Dick Tracy TV show that you know, you want to watch. So, yeah. But that. instead we, we have that, which, you know, is really kind of a, it's, it's a, a an outlier there among superhero movies. Um, I do wish we got one more. Well, I, yeah, I would like to have seen one more too, but now he's too old now. Um, he 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 definitely he, he takes him uh, twenty years to do a project sometimes. So. I know, yeah, I know definitely. he he does like teasing it too. His eyes light up when I see in interviews they bring it up, and he gets very coy. You know, you could almost yeah. see him like become the character. He stands <laughs> up, and uh, um, you know, he's still creative, and so I think his idea was like because I get asked. Whenever I do the Q and A's, I try to do one one a weekend. I get mm-hmm. you know the big I get like casting questions. I have never thought about fan casting weirdly enough with Dick Tracy until they ask me. Uh-huh. Until people the followers ask me, so it's like they like what I come up with, but I'm really like I'm like I I've never thought of this before. It's weird. I would fan cast everything, but like Tracy because uh-huh. I I don't know I don't but they've got me and I there's now I'm like all into it like it's a game and I was I think John Hamm would be perfect John Hamm would be perfect the great right absolutely the right look yeah he would be he's got the, you don't put a chin on him or anything you do no, what they he, did in the 1990 movie because they said it would look weird yeah it would but you don't have to with John Hamm he no looks, he's got a chin he's got a he's, he's got, got a chin. great look he he looked great he, we know he looks good in suits yeah. Um, yeah, and he would do. He would. I think he'd do the part justice. That would be interesting to see. Yeah, and it would wow. be sweet because he's a. He'd be a a, a wholly good character. You mm-hmm. don't get many chances to play that, and I think he's a strong enough actor that he could pull it off to play oh, it yeah. good. Yeah, he was great in Mad Men. He was. Just, yeah. Oh, I love I love Mad Men. Me too. Yeah, I love that show, and uh, really 
great, you know, taking a part of the mid 20th century culture and, and uh, post-World War II culture, really. Wow. Yeah, that's neat because my dad would be like working around that time. My dad too. the city. <laughs> so yeah. they'd probably be walking by the office. Yeah. <laughs> he might see him in the bar, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah, he well, would have run into Don Draper in a bar. Yeah, Don Draper. Oh, my God. Yeah, what a thought. Not a character I think I'd want to hang around with. but um, That'd be a long night. Yeah. <laughs> he made me like, uh, uh, I was like, oh, man, he's making me want to go to AA almost. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, can have, I can have a drink or two, but watching him, you know, where they show him real sweaty. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh my god, that's yeah, it a makes rough me morning. Glad that I was never one of those guys, ne- never, and and it, that I stopped drinking a long time ago. I'm, yeah, it's it's not. I wouldn't want to want to have been one of those guys. No, thank it's you. rough. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I, if if I have a hangover, I'm done. I don't know how he went to work. I don't either. I don't either. I don't know how any of them did. But it must be a strong a whole, constitution. Say that the older generation. <laughs> There was a whole culture of that. My my dad was part of it, you know, in some sense, in the drinking culture and guys after work stuff, you know. Um, but and it causes a hell of a lot of problems. And Don Draper oh. found out. Yes. And, you know. But anyway, well, you know, Howie, uh, it's been two hours, man. Wow. <laughs> it's been two hours, and uh, you know, I didn't I didn't know if we'd you know because I didn't wasn't really familiar with your work before. I didn't know if we'd have two hours of material here, but boy, oh boy, we sure do. So, uh, you know, it, I've got to I got to check out. But um, man, I'm really thankful that you uh, came on the show today, took time out of your day, and uh, you know, chatted about Dick Tracy and your work and and float and uh, you know, Terra Normal and all that stuff, man. It's just really great. And uh, I hope people will go to your your website, hcnoel, right? Uh, yep. hcnoel.com and then uh, Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery on Instagram. Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery. Man, if you love Dick Tracy, you love comic strips, this is a big treat. Uh, it, it's just, for me, every time I see a post from you, I, it's like it's like candy. It's like a Christmas present. I don't know. It just thrills me. I'm, I, I love seeing it and uh and so it's really exciting and i hope something you know that this continues to grow in the ways that you want it to grow and it continues to attract people and that uh a project that you would love to do grows out of it because it really is exciting it's really oh, thank you so much jeff i really appreciate it man it has been a great conversation oh it's been wonderful and and this is you know in all honesty man for for our dads you know this what you're doing i think is a big tribute to to your dad and i'm glad he got to see what you started to do and i'm sure that wherever he is he's watching and and loving it every day and uh and you know it's it's a father and son connection man it's really beautiful and uh i appreciate it even more for that thank you for that thank you So thank you, Howie. Um, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yep. So I'm going to stop. So Howie is much more, of course, than Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery as well. He's done a number of graphic novels. He's done a lot of illustration and caricature. And you can check out his work at H.C. Knoll, hcknoll.com. Okay, you won't be disappointed. There's a lot of great stuff there to look, look at. He is a, a terrific cartoonist and caricaturist. And he takes commissions, I believe, so you might want to uh, purchase some artwork. Who knows? hcnoel.com. 
Yeah, that connection to dads is uh, an interesting one. Uh, of course, it could be moms, too. <laughs> you know, whoever it is who brings comics to you. My dad was always there for me with comics. Uh, he encouraged it in a lot of ways. So did my mother. You know, I was in a very supportive environment in that regard. My mother was a big Peanuts fan and so funneled Peanuts stuff towards me. <laughs> and I never saw her doing it, though. I never saw her buying the books and stuff. They just happened to be there. But Peanuts lunchboxes and stuff like that. And my dad... My dad encouraged me with uh, comic strips like Dick Tracy and comic books, which he always uh, bought for me with the, without any reservation. And uh, whenever, like, he would be taking my mom someplace, uh, and uh, he'd stop. She'd be off doing one thing, and she had lessons that she went to, and dad would go uh, go off to the drugstore or whatever and pick up a couple comic books for me. He always brought comics back, and uh, so I was very fortunate. In that, in that way to make that connection with my dad and he was always really supportive uh, of my forays into comics and uh, so yeah uh, I, I really relate to what Howie was saying there and uh, I think it's a beautiful project and a great tribute to his dad and Howie was a guy who came to me through Instagram the wonders of modern technology and the internet and uh, you know it was just an accident, but then I came across his work, and I will continue to do that whenever I come across something that I think that you will like and that I really am passionate about, excited about. And I, yes, I get excited about artwork, and <laughs> and so uh, and when I see something that really just hits me in the right way, and and this does, Dick Tracy Rogues Gallery certainly did, as did Jay Stevens with Dwellings, and uh, and of course I mentioned last time Hot Flashes and Hangovers. The work of Teresa Henry is terrific. It's great cartooning. It's hilarious. And you should check it out on Instagram at Hot Flashes and Hangovers. That's one word. And John Boren Comics. I mentioned him last time, too. And if I come across anybody else, I'll just bring it up because I think it's a great thing to do. I love I love sharing stuff that I'm excited about. And uh, I'm going to make that a regular part of the show if I can. I meant for this whole interview to be about a half an hour or 45 minutes, and it turned out being two hours. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get these shows down to, you know, something that is uh, digestible in one sitting because two hours is a gosh darn long time. Of course, with me babbling about nothing, it just extends the time <laughs> And if you love endless babbling about comics and related matters and want to continue to support that verbiage, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff Grogan. That's G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N. Anything that you can see fit to contributing is appreciated and goes a long way to keeping this podcast going and keeping me going. It keeps me in, you know, food and clothing and... and uh, um, all of the things that are necessary to make a podcast work, as well as, you know, su supports my work in general. And I really greatly appreciate those who've contributed and those who will contribute in the future. I'm being optimistic. Uh, but please do that. And if you can't see your way to doing that for whatever reason, and we understand there are a lot of different reasons, maybe you can write me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. That can be a big help, too. It brings new listeners to the table, and that helps not only me and the podcast and you because you like the podcast, but it also helps uh, those who are guests on the podcast if they have uh, something that they're trying to bring to the world. And so... 
anything you can do in that regard is a big help. So maybe you can find a, a little time to write a little review. That would be just a, or just give a rating. That would be a big, a big help. And uh, follow me on Instagram at Green Screen Comic. These days, that's the main one, or at Spiking the Lens. I know some of you have followed one or the other, uh, and I should probably give one up, but anyway, I've got different followers in different places. But anyway, I'm trying to promote the comic book because I put a lot of energy into it because I think it's terrific. I do. I think it's great. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I think you will too. So check me out on Instagram, at Green Screen Comic. You can follow stuff there. You can follow me on Webtoons at Webtoons Canvas. Look for Green Screen Comic. You can follow it on Tapas. And uh, so there's no excuse. Get on out there and follow. What the hell's the name of it again? Oh, Green Screen. Green Screen Comic. And, uh, and you won't be disappointed. What an adventure. Yes, indeed. So have I said everything now? Have I, have I promoted the comic? Have I promoted the show? I think I have. Um, yes. So anyway... I'm looking forward to new followers. I'm looking forward to following new people who are exciting cartoonists because I'm always looking for wonderful stuff to uh, get excited about. <laughs> so that's the show for today. That'll do it. I will see you soon. I hope Steve Conley's going to be on to promote his new Kickstarter, a collection of astounding space thrills. I hope that's going to be my next show, and uh, I hope to get it to you relatively quickly. So, um, yes, I've wasted too much time. It's It's gone on way too long, uh, and you've got to go. I've got to go, and so let's let's just cut it off right there. That's enough. We've, we, we've done, and let's end the show. Finally, once and for all, we can just end the show, okay? That's it. I think it's over with. Okay. Alright, now I'm gonna go. Thanks for listening.